He can't take a nap. He's got too many women to cash app later. That sounds really weird out of context. Really weird out of context. Even if you were to put it in the context, it's okay. fucking weird. Now I have to. Now I have to. The whole point, the cash apping was for someone, an, an internet personality. It was for an internet personality to shout out the show as like a promotional tool. This was not me cash apping just a girl for whatever reason. It was for a shout out for our podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to S1E1, the show where each week we pick a different sitcom, watch just the first televised episode, and forgetting anything we might know about the future run of that show, rate it and decide if it's a show we want to greenlight or cancel. This week we're going to be talking about According to Jim. According to Jim went 182 episodes over eight seasons on ABC. Today we're going to be talking about episode one, which is called Pilot, originally airing October 3rd, 2001. So to get things started, I'm Jay Gags. With me as always, the boys, Gordo, Nick, Joe, and not yet by Sleepy McGee Ferg, who's not here yet, so uh, maybe he'll be joining us later. What's going on, guys? hey Hello. Are you thought out yet, Daddy? <laughs> That's not the one I thought you were going to go with. Toga, yeah. Toga 2000, which is like <laughs> my favorite Simpsons Jim Belushi reference. Who picked this show? Nick. I Nick did. Bro. A little backstory. This, for some reason, whatever channel my mom watches when she's in the kitchen, this show is always on, and I always catch myself watching it. Um, I've gotten a few laughs out of it, but the weird thing is, is I think it's on TBS or some, I don't know, one of these weird channels, and I don't think they have the rights to even a full season of the show, because it's always like the same eight to ten episodes playing. So I was interested to see the pilot of this show, because I always see like the same part of that series and i wanted to give it a shot because i don't hate it it's not the best show even when i'm watching it there it's not like the best show i've ever seen but i did want to see where uh where the ethos of this show came from and now i wish i didn't so here we are <laughs> that's weird because it can't be a music rights issue because all the music is actually jim belushi for the whole show i don't even yeah i don't know i mean i could be making that up too i could just be catching it at weird times where it's a replay again but um yeah i've seen like the same episode three times over there I was shocked to see that it was 182 episodes in eight seasons. That was, I knew it had a long run. It just was a show that existed forever, but it was never like popular. It just existed. Again, though, this comes up a few times, and I thought about it with this show. This show started when we were freshmen in high school, and it ended when we were like 22, right? So it literally was on and probably pre-syndication. Literally the amount of like any night we wouldn't be home. I mean, like, this is not, that's the era of, like, from 14 to 22, you're either out or drinking or at friends' houses or whatever. Like, we missed a lot of shows by just always being out doing just something. By, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. If this show started two years earlier, I think we would probably have known it a lot more. Because when you're 12 years old or whatever, you're not out as late. You're not out as often, right? You're just kind of home watching TV on a Saturday or whatever in the summertime, you know? We make that point often. And actually, I was just looking... This premiered two days before the premiere of Reba, which we actually just covered uh, oh, really? a few weeks ago. So, yeah, just, you know, two days apart, these two shows, um, both named Pilot, premiered um, <laughs> October 2001. 
Weirdly, according to Jim, was not pushed back again because of 9-11, but Reba was. Reba was. Well, maybe that was always a scheduled date for this one. I don't know. Maybe. They probably should go back and not call those episodes pilot, though. Okay. Uh, anyways, so according to Jim, Nick, you already kind of explained you picked it and why. Gordo Joe, uh, what's your knowledge of the show kind of leading into this? I'll go. Okay. <laughs> I was waiting for you to go. I was waiting for you. Sorry, buddy. Okay. Uh, I never saw this show. It, again, it was something I knew existed, and it feels like the kind of thing that was on maybe like right after Yes Dear or something, you know, in the middle of the afternoon or whatever. But I will say, I don't know what you guys are going to say, and if Ferg shows up, I know his opinion on it. I think people give short shrift to Jim Belushi. I really like Jim Belushi. He's given I agree. Us- that was my other thing about this show. I feel like people are always holding him up against John. That's not fair. But Jim is funny. Like, I, th- I mean, I don't think this pilot really shows that, but he... What did I just see him in? He was in a movie I saw recently. It was an older movie. I'll think of it later, but... um, What? Was it Thief? No. It was, Thief um, is one of my favorite movies of all time, and he's amazing in that. Were you watching his reality show from a couple years ago, Growing Belushi, about how he grows marijuana now? <laughs> no, I didn't. I did not that know that not existed, it. but that makes all of the sense in the world. Yeah, no, that wasn't it. But yeah, Jim Belushi, right? Like, he had his own career. He did his own things. It's not fair that he had a brother that was pop- like super popular and super funny before him. Like, John Belushi was great. He gave us Blues Brothers, Animal House, Beer on Saturday Night Live. It's tough to stuff. not compare the two. Right, but we get Thief out of him. Uh, trading places red heat canadian bacon like there are all these amazing things that he's part of and again that great Simpsons part cake. of but not the reason they're good though well i mean he's like probably number two build in thief i mean he's like that's like a two-hander and he's the he's james Conn's like sidekick in that movie so i mean like, he's in some stuff and this the substitute is a great movie and he's the lead in that i think there's like nine sequels to that too i can see that anyway just coming out to say if you ever listen to this uh jim belushi i am a fan and I think people should give Jim Belushi a lot more credit. Well, I guess, uh, and just to tack on, I've definitely seen the show. It's, it, Nick, like you said, it's one of those shows that was heavily syndicated, so it was on often. I knew the basic characters and everything. I couldn't tell you much of, if anything, that's ever happened in the show. I've just been aware of it and have seen it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I do think I fall into that. Dumb and Dumber he's in. Jim Belushi? Yeah, he's uh... the original Dumb and Dumber? Yeah, hold on. I don't think so. Are you sure it's not Dumb and Dumber-er? Or Dumb and Dumber 2? Just T-O-O? Who was it? He's in a bunch... No, I looked up his IMDb earlier. It's an animated... Yeah, it's an animated short. Like, he does a lot of animation. All right, well, anyways, to go back, I, I do feel like I'm one of those people that maybe compares him to his brother too much. Little because Shop of Horrors, that's what it was. Yeah. I grew up, oh. all right, just, all right, I'll just finish later. Uh, anything else? Any other shows you want to just shout out while I'm speaking? I'll let you finish, start talking, and then I'll interrupt you again. Okay, well, um, yeah, so I've always been a gigantic John Belushi fan, especially growing up, so I think it. I, I can't help myself but compare the two of them, and John Belushi is just one of those guys that, Grow, even though he was a little before our time, was one of those formative guys who established what comedy meant to me. So he was so pivotal that then when it's like Jim, it's I, I think at the end of the day, um, you can't help but compare. And listen, Jim isn't as funny as his brother. He just isn't. It doesn't mean he has no talent, but it's just really tough to not be in the shadow of someone who is like as iconic as John Belushi. We should get right into the episode now. So oh, that's OK, guys. No one wants to hear Gordo's opinion. Well, like I show. did talk. I waited. I waited until I, I just assumed that you would win. I guess I'm sorry. 
I didn't. Um, no, I've seen the show. It's Dumb and Dumber. Dumb and Dumber. Um, <laughs> no, I've seen this show before. I, I, it's a very generic show. We'll get into, we'll get into it. But just like you, I can't name anything major on the show or anything like that. But other than the episode we just watched, if you were to like hold a gun to my head and say, name a single scene from According to Jim, any episode, I'd be like, uh, Jim, goodbye. Yeah, I know, yeah. I kind of like that, though. As a person who just loves sitcoms, who, like, they bring me to, like, a weird, comfortable, happy place, this stays in the lane of sitcom. Quippy dad, weird stuff with the kids goes on. He's not quite, you know, able to handle it. The sister and brother-in-law are all there. They've got the wacky neighbors thing going on. Like, it's just sort of a by-the-book sitcom. And you can say that's good or you can say that's bad. But what it is is, like, comforting if you like sitcoms. It's mindless sitcom and i appreciate when we watch shows like this because you can take a wild swing and we've seen a lot of wild swings in a lot of these shows that bring you back to the gobbling uh bird colonel in danger five that was my favorite thing ever or you can be go, a show you can go with, back if you want to uh watch danger five or listen to us to uh, cover danger five by the way but a show like reba or something is similar that we just mentioned right we're like i can name a lot of scenes from that show but essentially it's that there's here's the issue that we build around it and this is essentially a family sitcom wacky things are going on on the side that's it's just comforting comforting to me yeah it's very mindless it's very generic um basic sitcom you know basic sitcom formula i want to start off before we get into the episode itself by just reading the one line that's um the description of the show on IMDb, not the episode description, but just the for the show itself on the main page. It's listed as a television show centered around a macho everyman, his loving wife, and their three uh, children. <laughs> when I think of Jim Belushi, I'm like, well, there's a macho everyman. But I get every man out of him, but he doesn't seem super macho in this episode. Yeah, he's not super macho, but he is like a guy's guy, like a, you know, kind of typical. He plays a typical dad role in here. Yeah, I mean, he likes drinking and sitting on the couch reading a paper. Like, it's very, like, dad on sitcom. You know, he has, like, the sort of tropes of it. Right. Before, before we get into the episode, though, I just wanted to bring up, did anybody look into who created this show? I did, actually. I did a pretty good deep dive on that. Very, um, very interesting backstory of uh, a couple of these people. And I'm a little mad that Ferg's not on the episode right now because one of the creators, aside from, like, being a writer, he wrote the episode of Ellen where she comes out of the closet. Jonathan like, Stark? Yeah, a huge episode. But he was also in, like, Fright Night and a bunch of he, House 2, like, all these 80s horror movies. Like, Ferg's not here to be like, yo, horror nerd, we're talking about fucking Fright Night. Come on, man. Well, since you brought it up, I guess we should talk about it a minute before we get into the episode itself. So the show is created by a writing duo, Jonathan Stark and Tracy Newman. And they pretty much have followed their whole careers together. Tracy Newman, who is one of the founding members of the Groundlings, which is an iconic uh, improv comedy group that pretty much is like a farm system for everyone who's ever been in SNL to this day. That's still yeah. every year they go to the groundlings and do the showcases. And that's how they get new cast members for SNL more often than not. Yeah. And they've worked together on a bunch of shows. Like they did drew Carey. They worked on the nanny Ellen Hiller and Diller, which is a show I forgot existed, which yeah. I kind of want to add oh, to the list. Wow. I completely so forgot obscure. about that show. So all shows that are better than this. Uh, yeah, yeah. judging by a pilot though and the pilots of those That's shows true. could be bad too I don't know I don't know anything that happens going forward because it's so easy to forget and Joe this this far in over you know well over 70 episodes in I think you should know the premise of our show is to judge shows by their pilot so I mean you created our concept Joe 
No, that's what I'm saying, though. But, Gordo, if you can tell me what happened on the Hiller and Diller pilot and tell me why it's better than this one, I will send you uh, $10 to Cash App and you can deny it and drink an iced coffee. Nothing like uh, it. But anyways, um, I I don't think I've ever heard of Hiller and Diller. Hiller and Diller. (laughs) Not the name of the show, so that makes more sense then. They were Tracy Newman. I at least know. I don't know if they both together. I think so. But they worked on. I mentioned it before. Bob Newhart was on a show that was just called Bob. We was yep. a cartoonist, and I referenced that in the past because I knew there was a third a show third where he Newhart was Bob. Show. Yeah, and um, it was short lived. But yeah, she worked on that, and she actually uh, modern day has gotten away from writing, and she's um, I guess prominent in the folk music scene. Well, a couple things you didn't mention. One of the things that comes towards the folk music thing. She was one of the original members of the New Christie Minstrels. Which, if you've ever seen a Mighty Wind the christopher guest movie oh okay yeah, yeah. you yeah. know the band who's like the new main street singers they're a joke take on the new christy minstrels who were like a 15 piece group who would do like this land is your land and everything okay but also her sister is lorraine newman who was an original snl cast member so she worked with john belushi oh so okay that makes probably sense how then. She kn- and the groundlings they were all from chicago so they, they probably knew each other since they were like 20 this whole that makes a group. lot of sense now and that that would definitely make sense why she if anyone was like, we need to create a show around Jim Belushi, <laughs> I guess we could, <laughs> now we have the ties, we can figure out how that, that probably happened. A lot of life's lived, though. Like, professional musician, Groundlings founder, writer, yeah. creator of sitcoms. Woman's yeah, one like an interesting person. So, yeah, so let's get into the episode itself, right? So, the first scene you just see Jim sitting in a, uh, sitting in his chair in the living room, and his wife walks in, Cheryl. And it was like, oh, I thought you were playing with the girls. He's like, I am. Um, I'm playing Frozen Guy. And the only way that I can unfreeze is if they play in the yard, which he said sounds a lot like his uh, game Hammock Guy. I want to play Hammock Guy so badly. Hammock Guy is essentially <laughs> the same show, only uh, outside, and they have to play in the house. Not to be confused with Banana Hammock Guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm that guy every day. <laughs> a plus for creativity right there. Gordo, you are really against this show. You're coming in this with some some serious anger, huh? I don't think that was sarcasm. I think he that was being serious. That wasn't sarcasm. <laughs> I would actually play Frozen Man. Are you playing Frozen Man? Because you've got no inflection right now. I don't know what's happening. I've said this. I actually think I said it in uh, like last week's episode. Gordo comes in with such dry delivery sometimes. It's really tough it's to know what angle he's coming at. in from. You're like reading a text message, Gordo. There's no context to any tone, and you just don't know how to take it. For for so long, Gordo's humor is exclusively gifted through memes, so now he doesn't know how to deliver <laughs> it through speech. Know how to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm being serious, though. I enjoy Jim Belushi's game, and I would play that myself. If I were a father, it seems like a clever, lazy dad game. I mean, I, I don't have any children myself, but, you know, being an uncle, I understand having a yes. lively child around and how how easy it is to just be like, OK, I'm playing <laughs> like, oh, hide and seek. <laughs> it's like, it's, I'm going to count to 100. Yeah. Anything to like not run around for two minutes. I was frozen today. My uncles used to play this game. I uh, used to like not play this game, but like they had a thing that was like a hammock guy where it would always be like, yeah, yeah after this beer. Because when you're a kid, you're like, okay, cool, but you don't know they just get another beer, right? So you're like, I'll still get some beer in here <laughs> three hours later. And I've just adapted that to my niece and nephew now. It's just like, uh, after this beer, I'll do it, man. <laughs> just like, wait three hours. Uh, I have watched, well, I guess watch. I heard a, someone play Hammock Guy once. Um, Nick, in an apartment that you and I both lived in at separate times, uh, one of our roommates, I won't say his name, obviously, 
but we had like just moved in and Gordo was there plenty as well. I'm like, hey, I'm going to call the cable companies and figure all this stuff out. It's like, okay, I'm going to go out back and set up a hammock. I was like, okay. So what I assumed he was doing was setting up a hammock in the backyard. What he didn't tell me he was doing was setting up a hammock and using the posts of the like 120-year-old dilapidated New England triple-deckers porch <laughs> to set up a hammock. <laughs> so I'm like on the fucking phone with like Verizon or whatever being like, what packages do you offer for cable? And I just hear like, what? Thud. <laughs> like running out. <laughs> they just like cracked one of the beams and the whole thing fell. I can't believe we didn't take the porch down with them. But now it's supposed to hammock guy or anything about a hammock. I either think of the hammock district and the Simpsons or him just eating shit so hard and being like, why would you do that on a porch? I mean, A plus for creativity. A for effort. A for effort. Well, he was also involved in the time where he and another one of our friends and ex-roommates were outside smoking weed, but it was wintertime, so they plugged their space heaters in uh, on the porch and literally fried like all of the electricity in the hallway going out to the back porch and there was like burn marks up the wall and everything which was a great moment but i was like what were you guys doing we plugged the space heaters in outside like you realize the sentence you just said right (laughs) i bet you all didn't think you were gonna get two porch stories this early i got a lot of porch stories porches are fun the kids walk in and are you thought out yet, daddy? And he's going, play harder, play harder. I'm so cold. So they run back out. And um, it's like, then we get to the wife who's now sitting down and he's asking about dinner, but he's like, oh, you better ask your wife because frozen gal is going to sit her ass down and read the paper. Nick, you've mentioned this before in other shows. This is a show that I have a hard time seeing them as a couple and going, this makes sense. Yeah. I mean, even still like... She's uh, much more attractive even in the later seasons. She's got like a weird haircut in this. I think that was deliberate. I think they, my, my guess they was- They to dumb I, her down a little bit. I think they cut her hair like that to give her a little more age because she yeah. is a very attractive woman. And I think when I looked it up, I don't have the exact number, but I think they're about 14, 15 years apart they're far, in I mean, age. She had literally just come off of doing Melrose Place where she was like, you know, a sex symbol for a super long time. If you guys haven't seen it, I forgot this existed and it came back out and like sort of circled around when Norm Macdonald died. But right when she left Melrose Place, uh, Courtney Thorne Smith is her name. Uh, right when she left Melrose Place, she was on Conan O'Brien and she was on at the same time as like, you know, Norm Macdonald was on and he stays on the seat. And the the like eight minutes that she's on, I don't know if Norm is drunk or not, but he just roasts her and does not stop and she's out there promoting the movie uh, Chairman of the Board with Carrot Top. And Norvital's just like, hey, you left Melrose Place to be in chairman of the board? <laughs> like, the very last thing of it is, uh, Conan O'Brien's like, I don't know, we get one more joke in you, Norm? I bet you don't. And he's like, yeah, they should call it chairman of the board, B-O-R-E-D. And everybody just fucking <laughs> loses it, including her, where she's just so depressed. She's like, you're ruining my movie it's like the funniest eight minutes ever. I miss Norm McDonald so much. If we can find that clip, I'll try to put it on our stories or on Instagram, which uh, you can follow us at S1E1Pod. So S1E1Pod, follow Instagram. I'll try to get that up on the stories at some point this week. There's a guy that, he he had a sitcom, right, Norm McDonald? Yeah, a great Called sitcom. Norm. We have to cover that. The, on the ever-growing list, yeah. Yeah, ever-growing list. He had like a wiener dog that I think he named, the name was Wiener Dog on the show. Um, Jackie from Roseanne, I forget the actor's name. I hate that I can't think of it right now, but she was like one of his bosses or something, maybe. I remember watching it when it was new and it was funny. He's just, he had such a great comedy that was so, 
like iconic to himself. He was just his brand of humor was just very much a staple of him. And uh, things like what you just mentioned on the late night show is just such a Norm Macdonald thing to do. And there's like these compilation clips of times he's being interviewed and on late night shows. And he was just so hilarious and had such a unique brand of humor that really fit him so well. One of the most genuinely funny people of all time. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever seen the clips of him? I, I think it was the Bob Saget roast. Oh, yeah. Where he just like. He just took like an old book of like, of like old timey jokes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's like the funniest fucking thing ever. And he doesn't swear or anything like that. <laughs> he just always would go for it, whether it was going to be funny or not. And it always ended up being funny, even if it wasn't funny. Yeah, and I'm just glad that we were able to take a quick pause and somehow find a way in this episode about, according to Jim, to talk about somebody funny. So, <laughs> Man, you're just throwing shade. Uh, I mean, listen, again, I mean, he is a every macho man, but... <laughs> so, yeah, so that's kind of where this that scene ends. And from there, we get to the like the real opening. Well, there's the, the intro first. The intro first is very quick, and I don't know if that was just... The version I saw, because I don't remember a longer intro. It's just kind of a quick little bluesy intro with like him green screen sitting on a couch in front of like just white nothing. And that's him honking on Bobo because he's playing the that's his band doing it. I think we mentioned it earlier, but they like even put out an album of like all the songs from the uh, TV show. He had a lot of uh, musical credits that I saw on IMDb. I didn't realize he was so musically inclined. I think it was all because it was all tied to the show, so he had so much music linked to this eight-year sitcom that, obviously, there's going to be a lot of music credits. I think before this, too, he used to, he toured, he might still, but he toured with, like, the House of Blues house band, like, the original House of Blues in Chicago. That's who did this background music. He's, like, playing with them. So I think he, like, was doing stuff with them for years, maybe, because I think maybe he had a hand in opening it with Dan Aykroyd when they first started opening them. Oh, I didn't even know Dan Aykroyd, like, had a, was, like, a big part of the creation of the House of Blues. Oh, yeah. That makes so much sense now. Like, putting it all two and two together, though. What's crazy is that House of Blues now is just a venue. Like, it's just a rock club. It's a big rock club. I don't don't like it or hate it. It's just a standard, typical rock club. It exists. Yeah. There's not too much unique about it. They they all kind of have like that little side restaurant area, but you don't really go there. You just kind of go for the shows. Even Even in the like early 2000s, late 90s, they used to be very different. The one that was in Boston was actually like in an alleyway in Harvard Square. It was really small and they would do like blues brunch. Like you couldn't do like shows there. But like, you know, if like an old blues musician came to town or something, that's where they'd play. It's just weird to see that it evolved into like a live nation venue that you just go to see like whatever fucking band at now. When the one, So the one in Boston, you know, for those of you listening who, you know, aren't privy to our area, you know, used to be a club called Avalon. And actually, and it had the... There was a place next to it named Axis, uh, Axis, and they took over both spots. And Karma Club. Was it? Is it? It engulfed Karma Club as well? Karma Club was part of the same. Th- it was like three in a row. Okay. Yeah, I, well, I remember yeah. that, but I didn't know if that was part of the new House of Blues or not. I know Axis and Avalon for sure. Yeah, they bought it all the way up to Bill's Bar, I think. Yeah. So I remember being excited and being like, oh, cool. Like, this seems like a cool, like, they're going to revamp and do something cool here with these spots. So we used to go to shows at Avalon all the time. Avalon was one of the bigger venues for bands we liked in the area i remember going to the first house of blues show and being like it's the same venue they didn't change anything they they put a couple like fake paintings on the wall like near the bars and that was about it it was just the same exact venue and i I just dislike those types of venues so much too you're not comfortable it's like 11 dollars for a beer and like as somebody who plays in bands like they charge the merch like they charge you a percentage of your merch and everything too so you know when you go in there like the band's getting screwed too like 
it's just so, how do they enforce that though they have somebody there selling and they basically take everything off i'm sure depending on um how big the band is they might have leverage on their own though probably yeah a bigger band probably gets a better percentage but like i've got a friend who does that on the side where he does like he'll be the merch guy for whatever band like the offspring he did the other uh, last time they were here right so like that's what happens they hire somebody independently to do it so that they can keep track of it but usually the band seems to be pretty like all the bands seem to be nice and they're like giving you a t-shirt and seem to be like very friendly which makes me happy you know that they're not like well f- at least they're they're mad at the club not the person you know what I mean? yeah not, yeah that's what i appreciate taking some weird side routes tonight on this episode yeah. why don't we just get to the green light of cancel jay and then we'll just shoot the so shit we have first. a lot of episode of cover so i guess let's get right into it so um so the first scene outside of the intro they're all in the like kitchen area we talk about sets a lot. This house, it was shot kind of weird. It didn't look like a standard easy set. It obviously wasn't a real house, but it was very unique in a way, the way they shot it at times. The the camera angles, it was yeah. it looked like this hybrid. It, it looked like they just like shaved the facing off of an actual house and shot from inside. I'll tell you the weirdest part of this set is it is very rare to have the living room not immediately go into the kitchen, and there's this living room, dining room, kitchen which is super strange. And the only show I can think of that actually did this was the original Fresh Prince house. If you remember, they changed houses sets at yeah, one point. Yeah, before it became like a more white modern house, like all the white interior. Like the first episode when Will's doing like the beatbox on the uh, the water glasses. Like that's that was, oh, when that was the, their pilot, right? Yeah, that's in the, li- the in the dining room that's in between the living room and the kitchen. Um, it's the only other um, TV show I can think of that did it like that. It usually always goes living room right into the kitchen. All in the family as well. Well, it was like part of the living room, wasn't it? The- yeah, it was like one big space, I guess. Yeah, it's usually something yeah. you see in like apartment TV shows, not house TV shows. Right, yeah. yeah. Red Dwarf didn't have that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, yes. And neither did Homeboy uh, in outer space. Uh, exactly. Uh, both episodes you can check back if you want to go back and listen to some old episodes if you're just catching up with us now. I highly suggest listening to our episode about Homeboys in Outer Space and highly suggest not watching the garbage 22 minutes that was that fucking nightmare of a TV show. In any event, everyone's in the kitchen. There's a whole family. So we see Jim, his wife, their three kids who are all very young. I think the oldest of the three kids is the one who's going into kindergarten. So for perspective of age, she's what, like five? I think that's right, yeah. So they're, so they're going, they're all in the kitchen and we find out it's going to be Ruby. Who's the oldest daughter's first day of kindergarten. And this is when the aunt walks in Dana. Uh, that's, um, I'm sorry. Is Claire the name of the wife? I'm sorry. Claire is the wife. Yeah. Dana Claire, is the right, so yeah, it's, the wife. Yeah, so it's Claire's sister. So Claire's sister, Dana walks in and right away I was like, I know who this, like her face was so I familiar and I couldn't exact place thing, yeah. it. And then it was, um, for me, it, unless you caught it from something else, but Father of the Bride. That's what it was for she's, me too, yeah. She's the daughter no, of Father know of what? the Bride. No, you know what? I never figured it out. I, oh. can't, I can't figure out. I was hoping you were going to help me there, and that wasn't it, though. You never saw so Father weird. of the Bride? I don't think I have, no. Have you seen Father of the Bride 2? Because she's also in the sequel. <laughs> yeah, so I have seen that one, though, yeah. But uh, that's where I knew her from. Can I just say that they never established that she is sisters? Like, I didn't get it. Nope, they did. They absolutely did. She immediately walks in and talks about getting a call from their brother, which makes her her sister. I agree with both of you, though, on this one. I feel like they said it, but I got a little lost on the brother because there's a scene coming up here where he's like, she's great in bed. And I was like, whoa, what happened here? And it's like, he talks a lot. And I was like, wait, is the brother like I got lost in some of the dialogue trying to figure out who everybody was. There's a world where you could if you missed it, you could think that 
Andy and Dana were both Jim's siblings, if you miss it. Like, I guess that could, the episode would have worked either way, if they, if they were Jim's siblings instead of Claire's. I mean, I watch this episode very analytically with four pages of notes, which is, again, mind-boggling sometimes uh, that we do this, but I, I can agree with you. I knew it was happening, but I got confused a little later on, where I was like, wait, I knew this a minute ago. So I think that maybe they didn't, I'm, I'm assuming later on in the show, like later on in the series, they make it more concrete, but... Yeah, they, they just weren't very clear. So I got really, really confused about who was the brother, who was the sister, and what the hell they were even talking about. Um, like I said, they just didn't do a good job explaining. They just kind of made you assume that you knew. Yeah, I mean, so I guess when she walks in, she says, like, good morning, everyone. And the reply is, like, morning, Aunt Dana. So you would assume she's the sister of one of the two. Yeah, but she's somebody's I guess sister. She's one of their sisters. She could just be a very close neighbor. I guess, but they do call her Aunt Dana. So they, I mean, they. But that's like a close enough friend can be called aunt by the kids too, though, when they're young. Right. But in this case, it is that she's the aunt. In any event, she's talking and she's greeting the children and everything. And Ruby says that it's her first day of kindergarten. And she's like, oh, how exciting. What a big girl you are. And then Gracie, the middle child, who's what, three-ish maybe, tells her aunt, I have a vagina. I love the I love the pronunciation of vagina. Vagina. Yeah, I was gonna say this might be my favorite sitcom vagina saying, aside from Peggy Hill yelling it out out of the window. And Dana says, "Oh, me too. That means we have to work twice as hard as a man to earn the same amount of money." And it cuts to like this reaction shot, which I meant to mention this earlier. This is a 22-minute episode. I think if you were to shave out every reaction shot where someone said something and they cut to someone reacting to it, you would probably get at least five minutes out of the episode. Yeah, like when John, when Jim Belushi comes in and he's got the, they're like, hey, nice tie, blah, blah. He's like, yeah, maybe you guys will be in the same grade. He like very much mugs. He goes, cool. <laughs> like He like takes a beat to do it. Like And that happens a lot in this show. There's just so many cut to reactions. And I just, I couldn't. I noticed it real early, and then after that, I couldn't not notice it every single time it happened, because it was such a large chunk of the episode. I didn't really notice it or pay attention that well, but now that you mention it, they do that a lot. It was a ton, a ton. I, I missed that I, a lot. So, there, so basically, it's just nonstop reaction shots this entire episode. Oh, yeah. Yep. A lot of mugging. Every time there's like a joke or any type of one-liner, it cuts to someone else just kind of smirking and looking at them all the time. Dana is like having a conversation with uh, about her brother and basically him, Andy, who we haven't met yet, and his girlfriend got into a huge fight because he broke her hair dryer. He said it was normal wear and tear. They got into a fight, blah, blah, blah. He's back in his own apartment for now, or she's back in her own apartment. I'm sorry. And that's kind of a recurring theme throughout the episode once we finally meet Andy and his girlfriend. Was anybody else thrown off about when you meet Andy and he's got, like, very short cropped hair? You're like, what are you using a blow dryer for, bud? <laughs> I get short hair. I use a blow dryer. Maybe it wasn't on his hair. Hmm. Gord, are you blow dry? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do it every morning. It makes it, um, I have to style my hair like this. Like, if you think good hair like this uh, just comes naturally, you'd be, <laughs> you'd be mistaken, my friend. It's a lot of, a uh, lot of care, but, you know, it dries to, uh, it's just long enough that it's warranted because it won't dry quick enough. Do you not blow? I, I couldn't, I could not tell you the last time I turned a blow dryer on for hair product, other than 
I needed to dry something like glue or needed a blow dryer for yeah, it. Yeah, that's all I've used them for. Yeah, when I used to have like big spiky hair, like we were in high school, Gordo, you can attest to this, right? That's how you'd like, you'd hairspray it and hold it out and then you'd blow dry it to like tighten it up. But that would have, the last time I would have done that would have been probably 20 years ago. You guys don't use a blow dryer? No. No. I just my hair use a is towel. very no. short. Yeah, I don't have long hair. And my hair's a little longer than I'd like right now. I need to get a haircut. But yeah, I just towel it and then. Once it's halfway dry, I usually just put a hat on. I also work from home. I couldn't tell you the last time I've had to style my hair for anything. Yeah. Yeah, I have a hat on almost all the time. Yeah, same. And I like, if I get my hair cut, I don't wear a hat for like a month. And I'm like, my hair's too long. And then I wear a hat for two months and get a haircut. That's like the cycle I usually go through. I got a haircut yesterday. I put my hat on as soon as I left. I have a hat on now. You would never know I got a haircut unless you catch like the back of my neck. I will say, though, speaking of what Nick just said about working from home, I have been toying around with the idea of having a beard again just because I'm on calls so often. Like, my job is to be on video calls. So you either have to shave or have a beard because if you go, like, three days without shaving, you just look like a fucking asshole. You know what I mean? Like, you just look scraggly and nobody trusts you. So you have to be, like, you can't be, like, in the middle. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, you have to have something like either, like, the rest of us have or nothing. Like, jobs don't appreciate it when you say i'm gonna grow my beard out for some reason here's a real thing that happened to me when i was in my young 20s so i used to work at a supermarket i worked there for years but in various different stores and in one store i worked at my manager hated facial hair hated it and at that point in my life i used to shave my beard off all the time and just regrow it shave it regrow it and i was in the midst of growing my beard back out and he's like you can't be scruffy at work i'm like well i'm growing my beard out He's like, well, you can't, you can either have a beard or not have a beard. I'm like, well, there's an in-between <laughs> stage. Yeah, it doesn't I, just magically happen. He's like, well, you can't be scruffy at work. So legitimately, my reaction was, okay, and I took a vacation the following week, and I just grew my beard out and came back to work with a beard. Back when you were like young and you have some like so little responsibilities that you'll use your vacation time for something stupid like a spite beard. Whereas now you're like, <laughs> I have so little vacation time and so many things to do. I have to use it for something important, not growing facial hair to say fuck you to a boss at a yeah. minimum wage job. You should have came back with like a Fu Manchu or something. Yeah, if you came back like Hulk Hogan style, <laughs> you'd be like, what's up, brother? <laughs> fuck me. I, ha- I mean, I had one at one point. But I've run the gauntlet with facial hair. But we should talk about according to Jim. So, so they're, they're, continue, uh, they're continuing to talk about Andy's situation. And we established that the two sisters really like their brother's girlfriend. And they don't want them to be, you know, apart because she's really good for him. So the thought is they're going to have to figure out a way to get them together. Jim's thing is, you know what we can do? Let's sleep on it and then wake up tomorrow and, th- and then do nothing and sleep on it again. And essentially just saying, let's mind our own business. Which, I mean, that's the everyman aspect again, right? That's him being like... I agreed with him. Yeah. yeah, what, yeah. Fuck, whose problem is it? It's like, why would we make our lives more difficult by getting involved in this? And nobody wants to get involved in that stuff. Yeah. You have to, sometimes you have to look at it like a little more broad. It's If they're going to break up over a hairdryer, they're probably not meant to be. They probably don't really want to be together that bad that something like that's going to cause a breakup. These are low stakes. If she was like, look, uh, my sister got cheated on by her boyfriend. Can you talk to him? They might break up. There's kids involved, whatever. You'd be like, okay, this is serious. I should probably go have a talk with this dude or whatever, right? Like he ran off with his secretary. You got to tell him to get his shit together. You'd be like, okay, not 
He broke a $20 Con Air and nobody wants to replace it. Instead, they're just going to break up over it, which is fucking bonkers. Yeah, there's other shit going on if that's where they're at. Seriously. Right. To be fair, if you are going to break up over a $20 Con Air hairdryer, you should probably stay broken up. Well, yeah, it's what yeah, we're yeah. saying. It's not meant to be. Oh. But if you break up over a $20 Con Air Blu-ray, then you both just, one of you doesn't like a great movie. So many times, Gordo knows what he wants to say, and he's like patiently waiting to say it. But while he's waiting to say it, is not listening to what anyone else is saying. <laughs> was it last week or two weeks ago? And someone was I like, Gordo, are you even paying attention? He I think goes, it was last kinda. week's episode. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. I, I, I was actually kind of paying attention, but I thought you guys were saying the opposite. Because you had mentioned about smacking someone. You could sit here the entire episode, not pay attention, sit on your phone. And you are still better than Ferg because you were here <laughs> sitting here with us. Half the battle is just showing up. Yeah, you well, woke up and you came to do the job. I did. I actually watched the show too, which I should also get points for. But most of you will be in for a big treat because if Ferg does wake up and joins in on this at any point in time, which he's free to, and hopefully he does, <laughs> you will be privy to a mumbling, sleepy Ferg for the first at least half hour for that those he's of you awake. Who don't know? We just found this out ourselves recently. Um, like a newborn, Ferg takes a three-hour nap every single day. <laughs> every day. So uh, apparently, it ran late or long today. So here we are. So uh, this scene closes out with. Claire telling Jim, like, hey, can you please talk to Andy when you have a chance? And it was, um, it, well, it was, a, she asked him, but it was one of those, well, this isn't, you're not asking, right? You're just telling me I have to. And there's a lot of these, I don't know, it was, it was a lot of generic humor through in this episode, I felt. I think maybe one of the most generic sitcoms I think I've ever watched. Yeah, this yeah, argument yeah. completely, and then what it turns into, which is, like, the whole, like, I'm gonna ask you for a blowjob later joke, which is like all of this stuff is just so they check recycled. all those boxes. Yeah, yeah, like and that's why it's also comforting though, right? It's it's not good nor bad. It's just in a lane. It's not yeah, I wouldn't say it's bad. I but wouldn't it say is it lands. The it's the most generic, like of every sitcom, family sitcom with the dopey dad who's a little tubby and goofy, like maybe the most generic one with the least amount of substance. And Maybe they get into it more as, as it evolves and there's more character development, but right here, not much. Just doopy dad. I'll tell you, in the later episodes of this show, the brother is, he's super funny in it, actually, and he's barely in this episode. He's at the dinner and at the work real quick, Yeah, yeah. but uh, he is pretty funny, so maybe once they you know rolled him into the dialogue a little bit more, it, it kind of turned it around or something, but... Yeah, and, and in this, um, well, it's it's funny you say that because actually this is the scene where we meet him right after that because after that kitchen scene we cut to uh, their work, I guess they're architects? Yeah, I gather they're architects. So, and that they work together. So, Jim walks in and pulls out these like blueprints that Andy did. He's like, oh, anything wrong with these that you're noticing? And it's like, what? He's like, you forgot to put a door on. He's like, unless the family was born in the house, then they're not going to be able to get in or out. <laughs> yeah, it's not a great yeah. joke. <laughs> you could say that was adorable. <laughs> oh, there we are. Waka waka. But um so Andy apologizes and says, you know, he's distracted and all due to the fight situation, obviously, with his um his girlfriend. Hold on, I'm calling bullshit on this because you don't just draw a house plans in like a day. 
That's a good point, actually. I didn't think about that, because apparently the breakup had just happened, and he had designed an entire house in that time. That Finishing is, touches. That is Maybe suspect. the door goes on last. I don't, I don't know. I've never designed a house. To Jay's point, though, they might just be in a terrible relationship, and they're always fighting, and this is just this week's argument, right? So he's, like, aloof and all over the place, because their con- his like, home life is fucking chaotic. That's me giving the benefit of the doubt to it, but I agree with you. Right. If it was just in one day, I don't know if you can use like the is it CAD or whatever you use to draw those things out. I don't know if you can do a whole house in a day. I mean, I've never designed a house personally, so I I can't speak to it. Listen, listen, I've I've got some Minecraft houses and I've got some Elder Scrolls Online houses that I built that were pretty dope that won competitions. Competitions, yes. I was in a guild. He beat a bunch of seven-year-olds at house building. To be fair, they were also 30-something neckbeards like myself who specialized in playing MMOs just to buy houses just so we could deck it out. This conversation is like when Homer's brain is like, you can stay here if you want, but I'm leaving. (laughs) (laughs) You're just like, I don't even know what you're saying anymore. You guys don't play the MMOs? Nope, moving on. Uh, <laughs> Multi-massive player online. And cool. The P doesn't get? The P silent? Is it like Pfeiffer? M-M-O. Oh, M-M-O. Multi, <laughs> multi, massive multiplayer online role-playing game. That's so many more That's words. way more than M-M-O. M-M-O-R-P-G. No, it's not. Massive oh. multiplayer online role-playing game. Uh, RPG was assumed, yeah. And yeah, totally that was all. Is, he though. didn't say that before. He just was calling it an MMO, which sounds like a healthcare plan. Well, that's what they're... There's MMOs and then there's MMORPGs. There is a difference. But oh, this is so totally irrelevant to what we're talking yes, about. Yes, that's nothing to do what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> it's not because you guys said, have you ever designed a house? And I said, yes, I have in the Elder Scrolls Online. Am I in like a loop? Am I in like a horror movie dreamscape loop right now I can't get out of? So to close out the conversation... Andy mentions that he's thrown up twice uh, over this situation so far. Jim asks him if he needs a tic-tac. He says he's okay. And then it's mentioned, your sisters asked me to talk to you about this. He's like, so we're good, right? He's like, so we've had our talk, right? Uh, he doesn't want to go. And actually, I think Andy did want someone to talk to. So, you know, his whole, we're guys, we don't talk about this because we're generic guys on the sitcom. I think Andy kind of did want to have someone he could talk to about it. So Yeah, I think he would have probably appreciated it. And you've got to figure that he's known her longer than he has because it's his sister-in-law like maybe he has some insight right i don't know unfortunately the only guy he had to talk to was super everyman king of macho-ness jim belushi so Why are you fucking going so hard in the paint on belushi man no 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 hold on hold on it's the description that how he was described for the show macho everyman jim belushi hold on you just said that she was her sister-in-law he's his He's there. Oh, Gordon, we're not doing this again. If you haven't picked it up by now, just take a nap. <laughs> we, Andy, Dana, and Claire are siblings. Yes. Okay, so I got that wrong then. Okay. Oh, Joe said it wrong. All right, well, I'll apologize. Thank you. Maybe you need a nap, Mr. Craig. <laughs> I, I, I would benefit greatly from a nap. He can't take a nap. He's got too many women to cash out later. <laughs> that sounds really weird out of context. Really weird out of context. Even if you were to put it in the context, it's still okay. fucking weird. Now I have to. Now I have to. The whole point, the cash apping was for someone, an, an internet personality. It was for an internet personality to shout out the show as like a promotional tool. This was not me cash apping just a girl for whatever reason. It was for a shout out for our podcast. 
Speaking of shout outs, you should listen to our friends here. Hi, everyone. My name is Megan. And I'm Steve. And together, we host the Stop Ruining My Childhood podcast. A sometimes nostalgic, sometimes cynical, always humorous look back at pop culture. Join us as we rewatch cartoons, movies, and live action TV of the 80s and 90s and ask the question Does this hold up, or did I just ruin my childhood? Each week, we talk about our childhood memories and dig into the history of everything we watch, sharing fun facts about how things were made and how they were received at the time. More importantly, we always start our show with a nostalgic snack review, which is really our favorite part. Episodes drop every Thursday on Podbean, Apple, Google, Spotify, Audible, YouTube. Really, wherever you get your podcasts. So like, subscribe, and follow. And revisit your favorite childhood memories with us. All the links to listen are on our website, StopRuiningMyChildhood.com. So from there we get to, uh, we're back in the kitchen. And we have Jim and Claire with um, their youngest son. And Jim's asking how Ruby's first day of school went. And Claire's saying, oh, you know, not good. When I tried to leave, she ran after me. So Claire basically stayed and watched her from outside the window until school was over. So she just sat there for hours. Well, so my my problem with sitting in front of the school all day is is you're still not with the daughter. Like, how does that solve solve the problem? You're like just adjacent to. You're not with. Right. Maybe just the comfort of knowing she's near, but like if the daughter can see her out the window, I guess. Yeah, I was thinking Which that is too. Which creepy. Yeah. That she can she can see her out the window, but that'd also be very weird. Like, I, I, I don't know. I don't get the whole plot point of this show. It's weird. Yeah. It's weird. And and uh, during the scene, there was a little, um, a nice little gag though with the, there, he, Jim was looking for the screwdriver and it was on the, the baby's uh, high chair in the kitchen. So he goes to pull it from him because it's sharp. He doesn't want him to get hurt but then replaces it with a hammer. It was a cute gag. It was weird, like, if you dissect it, but... But, like, again, like, a quippy little quick thing. They try to, like, put... They pepper a lot of those in this one. I didn't even notice that he put in a hammer. I just saw him say sharp, and then that yeah, he was he swapped it. out a hammer from the drawer afterwards. Oh, I didn't see that. It's just, uh, like, one of the many things that just could have been done better. Like, you know, it just... there was It's just such a low effort. Yeah, a lot of low-hanging fruit here. And in this scene, it was also established that Claire wants to have Jim and, not Jim, I'm sorry, Andy and his girlfriend over for dinner. Like, this is the way that they're going to resolve this. So maybe if we can get them in the, in the same room together, everything will be resolved. So That sounds like a good idea. Yeah, I mean. Clarity ensues. So, I mean, sometimes that, that resolves a problem, right? If two people aren't talking, sometimes it's just a matter of one of them having to break the ice. So I guess if you get them together. But still, though. They just broke up. They were dating. Just because you want them together doesn't mean that you get your brother and his ex at a dinner party, right? Like, think about that. And why is that always the solution? Isn't that like another trope there? Like, oh, let's just have them over for dinner. It works in Mad About You, though. And the pilot from Mad About You, it works. (laughs) Yeah, no, but I'm I'm just saying from the real world application of that idea, I can't think of a more uncomfortable thing to be at. Oh, these two people are fighting. They just broke up. Let's have them over for dinner at our house. I, w- I would rather do so many other things oh, yeah. than have a two people who just broke up over for dinner. Like, who wants True. to be a part of that? Like, hey, can you pass the salt? <laughs> like, oh, fuck, thanks for being here. <laughs> if, 
If they happen to both agree to go, though, that means something, right? Because if you truly don't want to be involved, especially if you're Andy's girlfriend, you're not related to this family. If you don't want to get back with them yeah. or think it's something, you're not going to agree. Like, I'm not just going to go to it's true. my ex-boyfriend's sister's house for dinner <laughs> and just awkwardly sit there. So there has to be something there for them to both agree to it. No, I agree with that. But I just think the whole concept is odd. It's unrealistic is the problem. Yeah. Right. And then during the conversation that the two are having, the two girls start running throughout the kitchen and Jim picks them both up and he's like walking into the living room now with one in each arm. And again, I mentioned this too. If you, when you watch this, it's just the way they shot the house is so, it was very unique because there's a lot of moving cameras, which they you don't get a lot of that line that they don't normally cross a lot. Like there's like that, that it, the, the legitimate fourth wall where the camera stays behind, they kept crossing it. Like, what did, what, uh, George Lopez did it at the factory. Um, Roseanne did it at the factory too, actually. But it's weird to see it done at the house. Yeah, I think it's uh, interesting. I mean, it's, I mean, there's interesting stuff about this, right? And the shooting of it is probably more interesting than the idea of some of the gags. You know what I mean? So maybe that makes up for it in some ways, but, uh, but yeah, I think this is like the everyman type of stuff though, too. Like he picks up a hammer, he puts his daughters in timeout, but he picks them both up like under his arms at the same time. Right. Like they're trying to like exert that he's, you know, or whatever. He's a big, big guy or whatever. He's a macho everyman. Yeah. Macho everyman. That's the shirt we need to make. We need to make a Jim Belushi macho man shirt that says the macho everyman. After the horny Frank one, Nick and I have already put some uh, drafts into the chat. <laughs> yeah. I have a couple ideas myself. I, I you know, um. I, I want to get a little a little band of shirts together, and then hopefully we can figure out a good place to do that because uh, you know some of you might want some merch from us, and we haven't really provided that yet. So we're going to try to get a few designs together, and they're all going to be sitcom related. Maybe not overly advertising our show in general. You know, it'll probably be there, but you know, just some fun shirts that kind of go along with some of the jokes we've told throughout these episodes. We're going to see if we can't get sued by Patrick Duffy. That's the ultimate goal here, people. It's going to be a, a, <laughs> a tightrope walk of figuring out what we can do and what we can't do. It's all parody, baby. It's legal. We cut to a little bit later in the night, and now we have the Jim and his wife sitting on the couch. And they're both just kind of in their pajamas with their feet up on the table. And he says to her, you want to have sex? And she's like, yeah. And he goes, that's good to know. Like, he also says he's like, it's eight o'clock at night and we're in our pajamas. And like, that is the most realistic getting older moment, at least though. At least it's, it's, it's relatable. It's realistic in that they're exhausted from like a day with three, you know, young kids running around. But I felt like how sitcom me to be like, want to have sex? Like just to even bring that up the way it was to just insert it into the moment to talk about sex. But they're doing it a different way where it's, they both are willing to, but they're both too tired versus like a. Like a married with children, like, eh, let's have sex. No pig. Like, it's not well, that. Yeah. It's like, we both yeah. could, we both would, but we're so tired, it's not going to happen. The mind is willing. Yes, but the flesh is weak and spongy. Yes. We've all been there, but I mean, you, you, I don't, I can't recall ever seeing that in a show. <laughs> They're both agreed. Yeah, but, you know, we would, but we're not. I just it. feel like it's not talked about in that moment, though, right? When you're both just not feeling it, do you say, hey, we totally have sex right now, but we're both so tired. I feel like I've said it before, but like way more joking than that, right? Like you're both falling asleep. You'd be like, you want to go upstairs and, uh, <laughs> you know, it's just like, it's just, but it's such a joke. It's not like, you know, there's no air of it even being anywhere near realistic. And in the conversation following is when they're trying to figure out the situation with Ruby. Cause Claire's having this issue like multiple times now where she just sits 
in front of the school and waits for Ruby to get out because Ruby's so mortified at the thought of one of the parents leaving. How is the child going to know? Through the window. That's the only way it makes sense. It's through the window unless she has... We can't dissect that part. We have to assume the eyes. She knows she's there. We, We know that much. She said she sat in front of like a little bench that's like under a tree or whatever. She gets into specifics, so it is brought up. And this is when Jim steps in. He's like, you know what? I'll take her to school, you know, because I'm a man. And, you know, that's kind of how it all works. Like, I read an article in Playboy about how, you know, men are better at separating than women. And then she replies by saying, well, you know, in last month's issue of Jugs, I read the complete opposite. And he replies with, nobody reads the articles in Jugs, honey. Which cuts to one of many reaction shots of her going like, oh, you. And <laughs> I forgot to look up slash I was watching this and at my work computer, so I didn't want to look up. But it was Jugs a real magazine? I, believe I don't know. Jugs I think was. it was. I've definitely heard Jugs referred to before. I, I don't know if that's right like now. a generic fake yeah, porn Yeah, like thing. a generic like, one. What's the one, speaking of Mary with Children, the one he always has, is it Biggins? Oh, I don't recall. I think it's Biggins. But it's not your Playboy penthouse. Right. Cherry. Yeah, it's like big asses. So I don't think it's a real magazine because I found um, a bunch of eBay results for Jugs magazine. And I was like, oh, so you can buy like old issues of Jugs. It's literally just antique glass jug catalogs. In <laughs> <laughs> um, fairness, so, maybe that's what she was reading. Maybe, yeah. I mean, that seems like an article that makes more sense in a glass jug magazine than in a porno. We've gotten into the whole, well, Jim's supposed to be an everyman and this is a generic sitcom, but. Well, you know, I read an article in Playboy this month, and it's like, is this real conversation? I know. It's just so tough to, like... We're men, and we separate better. It's like, this This was the most generic of the generic so throughout cookie this episode. Cutter, yeah. yeah, it does not land. It does not age well. It's not funny. It, I wouldn't think it was funny then, either, you know? And, like, one of the worst, most beat-to-death tropes in the world is the reading the articles in playboy gag it's just like why are you going to that well like just say anything else they're like a step away from knock knock jokes here like (laughs) it's just uh i don't know they're not trying but there is a there's a decent payoff because it closes out and he's as he's continuing on about it he's like you know and you just get too emotional and that's fine but you know i'm a man so i can handle this you know you just gotta be a rock and walk away and then it immediately cuts to him in the school with ruby yelling at the teacher i'm not leaving I can stay here and you know the two security well not security guards it's probably like the gym teacher and someone else like goes to pull him off and you see him getting like dragged through the hallway so there was a little payoff that takes away from the from the I'm so manly like because that conversation was a little cringy so at at least it cut to that payoff of him you know being all talk it was a different time too because like I was talking about this the other day with with Kelsey we're talking about now how like it well it should be I mean recent incidents aside it's like so hard to like get into a school and if like you're a kid like think of when we were in high school right like how often did we just like leave (laughs) yeah come back at random times be like i want a coffee and like three of us would leave and get coffee or whatever now right like now you can't do that but also now if you've got a man and they're screaming i'm not leaving i'm not leaving (laughs) in a school like it's gonna be a way different scenario than just the gym teacher dragging him out comically you know what i mean Uh, yeah this isn't even pre you know incidents like that either yeah, this like is post but, like post columbine and yeah so but you know but then again us in high school was post columbine too and again we just like they were like locks on doors <laughs> like they hadn't yeah. thought of it before well i mean also too this is a kindergarten like this isn't a, you know what i mean parents can go and drop their kids off well no right? it's not about dropping the kids off it's about causing a ruckus so causing in the a ruckus school in the school once school and maybe being like a like a guy who could snap 
Yeah, I feel like, yeah, I feel like, all right, never mind. I feel like they're not going to fuck around. But they're not going to send the gym teacher after you. They're going to send, like, a school safety officer. Well, we don't know exactly who it is, but, I mean, it was just, it's a quick gag. And, yeah, it's a, from 20-plus years ago. So, after that, we get to back in the house where it's Claire with both her siblings. So, now we have Claire, Andy, and Dana all together at the same time. And Claire's praising Jim for his ability to deal with the situation with Ruby and handling the whole school thing. And then it comes up that, well, Andy kind of offhandedly brings up that Jim hasn't been showing up to work until about 3.30. So 3 o'clock, I guess, is when the drop-off happened or the, you know, when he would have to pick her up from school. And I was having a little hard time understanding the dynamic of what he does. So he leaves work to pick her up, takes her home, then goes back to work. Yeah, the... The time of like, because later when he says, oh, he didn't show up to work until 3.30, it sounds like for like the first time that day. Yeah. That it's like, in, what? <laughs> he didn't show up. And I, I was confused with that too. Yeah, that was strange. Because like we're supposed to concede that he's like sitting on the bench now too, right? He's doing the same thing. As yeah. The so because that's yeah. what happens. Because at first the thought is, oh my God, you think Jim's having an affair? And then there's the shot of the two, uh, Claire and her sister just laughing like, ha <laughs> like more like. He couldn't pull off an affair. Not so much. Like, it was like, he's, it was like, he's, what was it? Like, he's too ugly to have an affair? Like, what, like, the the joke of it? It's, again, it's just an easy joke. Yeah, they played into the common easy joke, but with no real context behind it, so. Right. And, like, it doesn't matter what you look like. Like, unless you're, like, a mega babe or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure, like, you can't make that joke about a Jason Momoa or whoever, you know, who we talked about last week who I didn't know, uh. Joe Magnello, superstar hottie? Yeah, a Joe Magnello or whatever, or a Jason Statham or what have you. Like, you can't make that joke, but, like, to a regular person, you can make the, like, oh, he's just a schlubby idiot, no one would cheat on him. Uh, In this scene, too, I don't know if you guys caught this, and I don't mean this like I was looking for something weird, but the sister is wearing jeans. Do you remember? This took me right back to 2001, before you could buy low-rise jeans. Like, if you wanted low-rise jeans, you cut the entire top of the jeans off to the button. And she, that's what she's doing there, which is like what girls would do. I did like, not notice that, yeah. Of all ages, but I hadn't thought of it in so long because now you can buy low-rise jeans, right? And you could like since like a year after this. So it was like only a fashion thing until the big companies were like, oh, well, if people want low-rise jeans, we'll just make them, right? But it just like totally sucked me back in time. I was like, I haven't even thought of that being a thing in so long. Not relatable for me. <laughs> I, I wasn't uh, wearing a lot of, you know, low-rider jeans. Well, she's a, I mean, she, they're women's jeans. Which you wore a lot of in 2001. I still wear women's jeans, yeah. They yeah, fit better. So, and I wear low-rise jeans, too, because now so, I'm so, so stuck it, it's, on low-rise jeans that it's just comfortable. But if they stopped making I think I said low-rider. That's how, that's how out of touch I am. After you said it, I called them low-rider jeans, yeah. Back to George Lopez's theme song. But what I'm saying is tomorrow, if they were like, we don't make jeans like that anymore, you can't wear jeans that you find like low-rise comfortable anymore, I wouldn't go buy a bunch of high-rise jeans and cut the top. Right, yeah, you would just have to adapt at this point, yeah. But then, from the whole, ha ha ha, he wouldn't have an affair, becomes, oh my god, taking Ruby to school and picking her up to lighten my load. Jim's never worried about my load before, which, funny line, pause. (laughs) That line, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like, he's been sitting outside Ruby's classroom too, just just like you did, yeah. And they're having this big revelation, but first, to go back, he is actually trying to help you lighten the load, like that was his intention. He had a hard time separating but like hers, like, oh, like he was scheming. Like the way she delivered it was like, oh, lighten my load, huh? Yeah, you never cared about that. 
what, what it, they can't pick a fucking lane is the problem. Yeah, like, like I, mean, I don't understand yeah. her like her mindset there is like he even if he's unsuccessfully detaching like he's supposed to, he is still helping you by picking her up and dropping her off every day. Or even right. if he's there all day long, she's doing whatever she, she has her day back now. Either way, she's getting a service done for her. This this episode gave me. Uh, and I've talked about this before, and I, it's funny, too, because I don't think I was actually on the Everybody Loves Raymond episode that we did, but I, I fucking hate Deborah on that show because Ray, it doesn't matter what he does. He cannot win. Like, there's no instance in which it doesn't matter. Like, he could have done and it. He's always wrong. And I saw gleams of that with these two. And I was like, oh, no, not another one. I can't deal with yeah, it. Yeah, I think like Jim, Jim plays that character a little more like doopy and in kind of cutting corner type of guy yeah right where ray you sympathize for him because he's just always like a you just picture him constantly going what did i do <laughs> like that that's how yeah. he comes off but yeah now dana's like oh like we have to go get him and she's like oh no this is all me like i've earned this one it's like trust me you know if you if you ever get married you'll come to realize that these are moments you savor and i'm like huh i don't understand like you're, yeah. you're gonna bust him individually that's your big moment like n- now she's like i have him in this lie i need to catch him this is gonna be so good yeah which is super unhealthy by the right way. also <laughs> that yeah but just the idea of like let's go get him and catch him and like ha, like we got you and just even then the idea like oh no you can't be there because like this is mine right this yeah is, <laughs> does that change it if she like I, yeah what is what is the sister there like does that dull the moment somehow I just add it to the list. Now we get to Jim sitting in his living room, wrapped in toilet paper with the daughters there in there. Like it, he's reading like how they embalmed and like mummified people in ancient Egypt. And he's going through like this description to his young daughter. So I get that we want to make daddy a mummy and wrap him in toilet paper. But then he's reading about no. And, and then the embalmers remove the stomach and other organs <laughs> and cut the lower abdomen and they take the brain out of the nose of the hook. Like this is interesting. The joke, though, this ends up on, though, did get me for a laugh. And then the follow-up joke to it, I did laugh at both this of them. This was the the one thing I thought was the funniest of the whole episode. Yeah, me too. Even when he was like, all right, then they would cut the lower abdomen and pull all the guts out. He's like, okay, we already did that. I thought that was funny. Yeah, and- I do like that he was like calling them out like they already did it. But when he says, stuff daddy's mouth with corn chips, that was like, I know this is going to pay off funny. And it does. That's yeah. the funniest joke of the episode. It, it, it did work that like it was can we stuff your mouth with corn chips daddy like is they're so into the game and they believe everything he's saying so when he says that that's what they did in egypt and they want to play mummy so now like let's go get corn chips and, and shove them in daddy's mouth just like they really did uh to to the real mummies he's kind of a genius parent it is like that's it, it's the same as playing the you know frozen man game um in, in those regards, it's funny. I did want to mention, too, though, um, we've mentioned it a lot in um, many of our sitcoms, but another uh, another pair of good child actors. I don't think they did a bad job at all with, uh, especially they do have a good amount of screen time, too, which you don't see, especially for kids that young. They did yeah, Gracie doesn't job. say too much other than I have a vagina. <laughs> uh, but she steals the show. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Well, if there's any one line that you're going to remember, you know, down the road from this episode, it's going to be the I have a vagina. It's very weird, but that is the takeaway episode, a takeaway line. You know what I mean? Although I do like earlier when Andy says, "I," uh, does he say something along the lines of like, uh, "I forgot, I must not speak when I'm near people." 
something like that where i was like i, did, I really did like that <laughs> yeah. line which is like something along those lines or whatever i think it's a funny way to go about life and he does remind the kids to make sure they get the big bag when uh they go to get the corn chips and then the claire shows up she was kind of watching along during some of this and she's giving him like the smile can i just say though that like i know we're ripping on him for playing mummy but like good father right there for like teaching them about yeah, like good not only is he playing mummy but like he's also reading to him about ancient egypt like he's maybe not a little too graphic about, for their age bracket well, but sure it's still history the point of contention with his work or with his you know duties is only with her we've agreed that he's pulling his weight but she seems to have a problem with everything anyways yeah yeah that's probably because she's really upset that she threw away her career by leaving Melrose Place to be in a carrot top movie. <laughs> yeah, so the wife's looking at him and smiling, and this whole scene is just Jim trying to figure out what her angle is because she's being like overly nice, and he's not sure what's going on, and he's trying to like get to the bottom of it. And it's a lot of that like it's very sitcom dialogue. You seem nervous. Like, yeah, I'm not nervous at all. Or he's like, could it be a look of gratitude? I wouldn't recognize that. Like crowd laughs, you know, it's a lot uh-huh. of just easy jokes. During that conversation, though, between them is when the two daughters show up and the Ruby, the older of the two, is holding a bag of like uh, nachos that are the size of like they would go from like her knee to her head. It was yeah, so large. Was a huge bag. They're like restaurant nachos. He said, I, I said, get the big bag. So they run <laughs> back off. That's a great joke. It, a is, good, yeah. it was a good joke, um, a little unrealistic, though. That's kind of the thing that when I think about shows like this and like these kind of sitcoms, those are the jokes that it, it was funny, but it it's not real. So it takes me out of it a little bit because there is no bag of. I'll tell you the reason I didn't. I, uh, the reason I liked that joke was because I didn't see it coming either. You know what I mean? Because they showed good. up with a huge bag and he said, no, the big bag. And it caught me and it was funny. So I feel like all the other jokes in this are like predictable, you know, boilerplate shit. And that one wasn't. So I, I did enjoy it. Now, people listening might correct me or you guys might correct me. When when he said corn chips, I'm thinking Fritos. I thought Fritos. As yes, well, but yeah. he's also not wrong. Like corn tortilla Technically, chips. Yeah, because yeah. people refer to tortillas like as chips, which is correct as well. And it, you know, corn or flour. So corn chips. I agree, though. That's yeah, what I was right. thinking of. If we were all hanging out right now and I was like running to the store to get snacks for everybody, like I, t- I said, I'd take the run or whatever. And somebody said, bring me corn chips. I would bring them back Fritos. Yeah, it's Fritos. Me too. Yeah. All right, and someone might think otherwise, and you know, if you are from a different area and you guys call them corn chips, by all means, correct me. Speaking of, do they ever say where they're from? They're like Chicago people. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's addressed in this episode, but this they it takes place in Chicago. Okay, I assume that it's so Chicago. He's like everything. He's one of those people who like puts his place and everything. You know, it's like a very John Hughes thing where it's like everything is going to be Chicago for him. Also, that many tortilla chips. Gordon and I were talking off air a little while ago about how you can use your wedding ring as a gauge for if you've had too much salt because your thumb swells up and it gets like super tight on you. You imagine eating that many. I mean, it would be delicious at first. And is he going salsa? Is he going like a bean dip? Is he just eating them plain? He strikes me as just like a bowl of plain kind of guy. A bowl of plain. I was going to say, side note here. How do you guys eat your corn chips? I don't often eat them. I don't know. Is there a lot? Yeah. I love, do you mean Fritos or do you mean tortilla chips? Fritos, not tortilla chips. Tortilla chips are tortilla chips. Sometimes people drop them in chili. Like, Nick, you drop them in chili, Yeah, I crumble them on chili uh, or a chili dog. But other than that, I just eat them straight up. 
Yeah. I it's like not something sandwich. I often buy, so it's not like I'm just out buying Fritos very often. So. I like them plain, but they're they're they always make me think of smart food is like this too, right? Where like I like smart food a lot and I like Fritos a lot. I don't eat junk food like that very often, and a little goes a long way for me. But it's like if you eat a handful of Fritos and you touch anything, no matter how many times you've washed your They're hands so for greasy, the next yeah. six hours, you're gonna get like grease streaks. And if you eat uh, smart food, you can't get the grit off of your hands. Especially if you then like touch a glass that has like condensation on it and you get water into it, then you just you make like a cake. Oh, it's the worst. Oh yeah, it's like yeah, cheddar paste that's on yeah. your fingers forever. Yeah, I'm a straight up, straight up OG man myself with the Fritos. Yeah, like Fritos just out of the bag. Yeah, me too. It's very rare. It's so salty. They're they very, are. Very That's salty. what I like about them. Sometimes I'm in a mood and I'm in a salty mood. I would say Fritos are probably in my top three, but I would get sick of them pretty easily too. Like I'm like, yeah, let's get some Cheetos or Fritos rather. And um, then you get like halfway through a bag and you're like, oh, I'm so fucking sick of Fritos right now. Yeah. The, the hard thing about that too is, you know, if you go to say buy a bag of like Doritos, right? Or like uh, smart food, like we mentioned, right? It's the same size bag no matter what. Fritos only comes in one size. And it's in between. It's bigger than like a bag of Doritos, yep. but it's not as big as a yeah. bag of potato chips. So you can't also just buy unless you go to Walmart where they have the little bins out front where like sometimes you can get like a little kid's lunch size bag for like 49 cents. Yeah, and yeah. that's like the perfect amount of Fritos. It is a good amount. You can also eat that bag because it's so small like this and then <laughs> avoid getting your hands all gross. I also do love scoops. I was going to say <laughs> like this. <laughs> your mouth. There's a visual that accompanies that for those of you listening. Um, I don't want to describe it. To next point, though, the scoops with salsa, that is, that's a win. But the scoops alone, too much, too much Frito. Uh, the airline that I work for, we used to have Fritos as an on-flight snack for a short period of time. Frito uh, was, was there, but we've uh, since moved on. And moving on from Frito talk, we are now at dinner. Andy's not there yet. And there's a worry from his girlfriend carry i believe uh that he might not show up now we talked about this earlier with jim and cheryl having seen andy and no disrespect to the to the man himself but um again visually there's a they are not of the same point scale i guess if we're gonna do the the old-fashioned one of tens um they are very far apart yeah there's a big gap there to use the only football analogy i ever use and it's always in this reference he outkicks his coverage they both have outkicked their coverage in this scenario I'm trying to think of what that even means. They're doing way better than they should be. They've gone up ahead of what should be blocking them. You know who Andy reminds me of? Is it just me? Or does he remind you guys of like Guillermo from what we do in the shadows? Gizmo. I don't know why. No. I don't see that at all. No, but no. I will say the new season of what we do in shadows, though, has been. And he's like a comedian in his own outright, but he kind of gives me, I guess, to compare him kind of an Andy Richter vibe. I thought it was Andy Richter at first, too, when they said his name, and then I just heard the voice, but then I looked up, and when I saw the hair, I knew it wasn't, but I think he's in a Wedding Crashers, this guy. He's, re- he's recognizable from something. He's in a bunch of stuff, yeah, but going back to the, the attractiveness gap between them, at least for Jim and his wife, you could argue, oh, maybe they met when they were younger, he was probably in better shape, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't sound like Andy and his girl were together for that long. So she she signed on for Andy as is. Yeah, like they just met. And no offense to Andy, but like, you know. But I mean, yeah. I mean, we're going by. I would hope that Jim and his wife didn't meet too too far younger, you know. And oh, yeah. She's 14 years younger than him. And he was a cool 28-year-old man. <laughs> just like. <laughs> you want to hear me play harmonica? <laughs> he designed the middle school that she was going to. You want to honk on this bobo? 
Oh, there it is. Well, I was going to say, have you ever seen The Substitute? I feel like he's she's one of the students that he's a substitute for. That's how they met. That's the backstory of this TV show. Oh, I like this show way better now. I would say I'd write fanfiction for that, but I think I'd go to jail. Uh, yeah, well, we'll move on from that. So, <laughs> so the, the talk is, you know, he'll be here, he'll be here. And she's crying. And Jim, you know, because he's just a dumb guy. He was hungry. He's just chomping away at his dinner and being pretty loud. And they're looking at him he's like, oh, I'm not supposed to eat when someone's crying. I didn't know that was a rule. I would fight somebody if they ever ate that loud next to me. Just like clanking their fork and fucking scraping it just on like the a, plate. Like a fucking caveman. Yeah. Just, yeah just Have a little decorum, you asshole. I think it's on purpose, though. I think he's trying to like show dominance to be like, you're in my house and I don't want this to be here. So I'm just going to be a dickhead. I think they're doing it to just show what a caveman he is. Yeah. Just that all the like all those like typical I am the man of the house things like I'm eating my dinner now. I think if they wanted to do that, though, they would have picked a food that was way more hand friendly than lasagna, because to prove that like he's just like a Neanderthal or whatever, you want to give him something he can pick up. Well, it's not like his wife's like, oh, I've oh, the turkey legs are ready. <laughs> and she's well, it doesn't be that, though. I mean, it can be a number of there's yeah, I mean, obviously the spaghetti meatballs isn't going to work. But like, you know, you, there's some things or like it could have even been pizza. You know what I mean? Like and then he could have just been like shoving pizza in his face. Right. No, I agree with Joe that I think that they are um, just establishing that he doesn't want to hear it. I get that vibe. I, I want I wanted to say lasagna. I think it, it falls into we brought this up. Oh, which what show was it recently? Was it um. Was it Small Wonder where she was making a roast? And I'm like, that's like such a typical yeah. Yeah. sitcom food. And lasagna falls right into that too. Not that you never have yeah. lasagna, but it's kind of more of a special occasion food than a Sunday dinner for the most part nowadays. May- or maybe just like in my surroundings, we don't often just make a lasagna. I love making lasagna. I love eating lasagna, but lasagna takes forever to make and then forever to cook. So I make it usually at Thanksgiving and then like one other time every week. Forever to yeah, cool too. Good. You can't cut that shit right yeah. away. Oh no, you can't just eat it either. Also, yeah, you have to have time. Super easy to fuck up too, which yeah. I don't like, but I do love a good lasagna. I could not remember for the life of me when, but this is also not our first on air lasagna conversation. No, we had a conversation about what kind of noodles we use, and I think I Nick and I were talking about the um the non boil noodles that I've been using. Yeah, yes, right. That, that, I don't remember what episode. Yeah, it was quite it was a, definitely quite early a on in the run. It was probably the weather where you could have had lasagna. That's why it made sense at the time. <laughs> it is yeah. not right now. So from there, Andy finally walks in and he has the hairdryer with like a bow on it. And he had to go to three stores to get the right one. And she's like, oh, it's just like the one that you broke. And, and right away, like that moment's already like over, like the sweetness, because you see that little <laughs> like... Andy tried to, like, you know, make everything right, and she's getting right back into the argument. Yep. Yep. Just stay broken up right there. This also follows up. We talked about a bunch of jokes that got, like, pushed in, and you understand why they're pushed in, like, because it's like a sitcom trope or whatever. They get in this fight right here, and his response to her is like, you're going to say that Abraham Lincoln died of normal wear and tear. What the fuck is that joke? You know, normal wear and tear from the gun. Yeah, you know, I get how he died, and I get what we're doing, but we're just going to reference Abraham Lincoln? Like, that's such a weird, it was very out of weird. nowhere... Well, no, the, the point was, is they know he didn't die from normal wear and tear, and that's what she's accusing him of. She's right, accusing him Lincoln? of... Lincoln? It was a weird... I'm more confused with the Lincoln. Well, it's because everybody knows how he died. 
I guess, but I mean, even if you said JFK, you would have been like, oh, well, that was 30 years ago. Like, it's it was more still just, ra- I don't know, it was just too random of a pivot for me personally, but... Uh, yeah, I'm not trying to defend the joke, it wasn't good either way, but I get where they were coming from. I like how the argument yeah. even came up, like, after she mentioned it, though, at first he tried to swallow it and not acknowledge what she said. They just couldn't do it. And he's just like, oh, uh, lasagna, huh? He's like, oh, you know, Cheryl, you're lasagna. I didn't break it. <laughs> he just, he, like, he couldn't, he couldn't hold it anyway. He was trying to, like, get <laughs> didn't through it. it long. Yeah, he's just going to talk to his sister about her lasagna, but he, he just couldn't swallow that. And I, I guess for me, that's so relatable because I, I am so bad at biting my lip. Yeah, it's and then every one of us have gotten in trouble for that. This is the classic go get your fucking shine box scene right here. Where she, he just like can't not fucking let it out and it's going to cause him a huge problem. And Jim kind of as they because now the two are arguing and he's like, knock it off. He's like, this whole thing's upsetting my stomach. I can't eat. And Dana gives him a look. He's like, well, I, I mean, I, I can finish what's on my plate. I'm, I'm worried about dessert. It's like. Another joke where you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> I guys? didn't hate that one actually. I thought it was okay. I just it was typical. It was very expected. Yeah, I just think I think it's not a bad joke per se. I just always like he's like, I can't eat. And I was like, and here's where he says, like, except for what I have already had and maybe a second course. Like you just can track it way too easy. And it, he does get into a pivot from there where he's telling them, Hey, listen, this is the kind of fight you're gonna get into if you're gonna be in a relationship. These things happen. And he starts talking about how him and his wife have been talking about, and it was mentioned earlier, we didn't bring it up here. A story where he slammed the car door on her arm and the argument has been that she asked him to do that and he's like why would why wouldn't i do it unless you asked me to it was a very weird again something that could have been done better they especially considering how often they went back to this after the joke was made they really should have put more work into it because it was an awful representation of what they were trying to go for there is his logic though and his reason for dying on this hill does make me laugh where at one point she's like why would i ask you to close the car door on me he's like why would i close the car door on you if you didn't ask me to like (laughs) they're at such a perfect stalemate (laughs) that i laugh so hard at that situation because no one will ever win that argument and both right. people have insane fucking arguments. It's just, yeah, but both, both, it's so it's like, obviously it was an accident, but the idea on either part that it was either done intentionally or it was asked to be done is crazy. Yeah. So yeah, both that, of them sound weird in this argument. That not one of them can be like, I realized this was an accident that happens. I've, everyone slammed a hand in a door or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it's very rarely intentional unless you're in like an action movie. Did you guys know like the shooting of this dinner scene, how to me it felt so awkward because it was all these like solo shots of everybody. So the way it was cutting around because she was at one end by herself and Jim was at an end by himself. So every time they shot someone, it was a lot of like alone, alone, alone. It didn't feel right. The only thing I can think of is that, you know, for sitcoms, it's considered multicam, right? Like when they, when you, when you shoot a sitcom, it's called a multicam, but they're shooting this as if it's not a multicam. You know what I mean? You shoot, it's called multicam because you can have multiple angles, right? Whereas a traditional TV show or movie, you have to shoot the reactions and shoot the dialogue for the reactions. But they're doing that with multicam and it's uncomfortable because it doesn't, it, it's not how it should be shot. It's the way they shot this table. Yeah, you couldn't get the like cameras positioned in a way that you could shoot them individually the way they wanted to. But yeah, usually it's, Three, it's usually a three-camera shoot for sitcoms, and they run all three cameras at the same time. They just kind of switch from you know shot to shot, whatever works best. What's weird about the scene for me, too, is because they're doing that, and maybe this is intentional, but they're going from person to person, and then when everything sort of blows up and the sister is like, hey, everybody, let's go get ice cream. Let's all get out of here. You realize that the kids are there? 
and that like this family is just having <laughs> yeah, like yeah. a huge knockdown drag out fight and they're not just friends they're legitimate family so these are these people's nieces and nephew like that's their uncle and aunt and they're having this huge fight in front of this family at the dinner table with the little kids there who were like what do we say like probably five and three or whatever like that's weird to me and that's jarring that these people are such fucking selfish idiots and dickheads that they're having this fight in front of the kids but at least they figure out enough to get out of there when their fight is over. Like they still have, like they're not the heroes in this because they did the same thing. Yeah. Cause it turns from like a, an Andy and his girlfriend argument to Jim and his wife argument pretty quickly. And as they're going back and forth, the car door thing, it also turns into the honey, there's nothing you wouldn't tell me about. Right. You know, referencing the whole thing about the daughter and him sitting in front of the school, you know, just like she did. It's like, Oh, I can't think of anything. And he's like, uh, well, maybe you need to look a little deeper than the top of your head, you know, like maybe below the sports scores and right above the lyrics to Louie Louie. It's like, huh? That like, was another one where I was like, yeah, I was confused as fuck on that one. Like, so, well, Louie Louie famously people don't know the lyrics to, and it was yeah. investigated by the FBI when it came out because they thought there was like subversive messages in it. <laughs> so like knowing the lyrics to Louie Louie is like a thing most people don't know, but that's also a song from like 1964. You I mean like again, it's weird the references, and he's a blues guy, but they only reference the Kingsmen and the Rolling Stones in this. He's not like this is Buddy Guy or like they didn't like name some like Southside Chicago blues guys or whatever. It was just weird. It was like the oh you can't think of anything. Well, like maybe look past all those sports scores because you're such a guy <laughs> and that's all past you know those about corn chips. And then that's like this whole the the reveal, right? She goes. Because he's like, oh, that's not that look of gratitude, is it? Like, referencing to early when they had that awkward conversation. No, this is the look of, you're totally busted for sitting outside Ruby's school. Like, this was the big moment that her and her sister couldn't bust him together and catch him there, right? The the big moment was her just at the dinner table going, you're totally busted, mister. Again, super generic. <laughs> yeah, they that was bad. Yeah, this is not great. Also, like, again, no offense to her, but, like, this is a scene where, like, Woof, the acting is not great here. And it's choices, it's not bad acting, it's weird choices. Like, to play that version of the mom, where you're like, you're gonna get it, mister! I know you're lying! It's like, wait, what are we doing all of a sudden? You were talking about sex a little while ago? Like, this is kind of a weird... I don't know where you're going. Poorly and written. This was, well, this was the pivot I didn't expect, and this was actually maybe the one moment of the episode where I went, oh, shit, <laughs> that I felt engaged, was... So then it becomes, how did you let Mrs. Carter let you stay anyways? And this is when Ruby speaks up and goes, Mrs. Carter was my teacher at my old school. Mrs. Scavio is my new teacher now. So this is where we find out that Jim actually pulled Ruby out of her school and placed her in a new school so he could continue to watch her while she's in school because she was so upset about them leaving. Was that how it went? I thought she got kicked out of the school because of him and he had to find her a new school. Oh, yeah, I interpreted that he... He pulled her like it was his decision. Because that, that's her reaction was, I thought he you got took her, her out of the out. school. I'm with Jay in this one. I thought it was that he was not going to be allowed to even stay on the property anymore like the mom was. So he decided to take her to a new school where he could stay with her. I could see both making sense. Because it looks yeah. like yeah. the way the wife reacted was, you made this decision without me. So that's how I read that. Yeah, that actually does make more sense now in hindsight, I guess. And that's when he's like, oh, yeah, uh, she doesn't go to Havenhurst anymore. She goes to Emerson, which is a very good school, honey. So uh, that, again, the one time in the episode where I was like, oh, where's this going? Because that was like, 
to me that was such a wild concept that he would do something like that like now i'm i'm a little engaged and that's when um you, i think joe you mentioned earlier that's when everyone disperses and you see the whole family just get up and who wants to go for ice cream and you know aunt dana is going to take the kids out and they're all leaving so now it's just you know the two of them at the table and they're talking about this i don't know which kid it is but you hear just faintly in the background i wrote this down because i was like this kid's like a little kid after my own heart where it's like what flavor do you want and one little girl just goes i want vanilla and i was like <laughs> yeah fuck yeah that girl rules like just you don't have to go crazy just because you're there you don't have to get gummy bears on it and get 10 flavors if you just want vanilla just get vanilla i personally i like strawberry ice cream um you know, we have these talks all the time. I don't know if we've covered ice cream specifically. I couldn't say I have a favorite flavor of ice cream specifically because I think I'm kind of an in-the-moment guy, but I, I like vanilla plenty. Like, I'll, Vanilla's you know, good. There's a reason that, like, chocolate and vanilla are the most, you know, go-to flavors, you know? I'm telling you. Everyone's, just, everyone likes at least one of them. The regular um, vanilla chocolate soft-serve swirl can't be slept oh, the on. mix. Yeah, and I hate when I have to make a decision. We did it recently when we went on our uh, golf trip there with everybody but Joe. Um, and the, you have so many ice cream options, but I, at the end of the day, I just wanted the swirl. I ended up going with an actual ice cream, but I should have got the swirl. Yeah. I feel like it's like the ice cream truck sometimes too, right? When you were a kid, there's so many things. And I almost always ended up getting something like if they didn't have the wrestling bars, all I ever really wanted was that little triangle that had the piece of bubble gum in the bottom. <laughs> yeah. 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 You're talking about. yeah. But then you're like, oh, I guess I'll get the Ninja Turtle. And then you're eating it. And you're like, I just wanted the fucking thing with the ball on the bottom. Well, those are all like the same thing. That's what I actually like about those ones, whether you get Tweety Bird or Batman or any of those. But like, those are all great for what they are. It's like the Rocket Pops are that same kind of soft. I don't know what we, they just call like frozen desserts, right? I don't even know what they technically are. For yeah, those ones, it's not but, ice cream or whatever. Yeah, those are always good. I like those ones. They, they, like they're all kind of just cherry flavored. <laughs> But as far as ice cream itself, I'm a vanilla, vanilla man. man too. Yeah. Uh, see, like again, I'm in the moment. Pistachio, I get a lot nowadays. But um, pralines and dick is my go-to. Pralines and dick, my go-to all the time. I think when we were kids, it would have been like chocolate chip cookie dough was like the only one I'd ever get. But I don't do that as much as I'm older. I haven't had ice cream probably in like three or four years at this point. It just doesn't make me feel good anymore. You know what I mean? Where it's like it's one of those foods now where I'm like, and it's not even anything out of like food allergies. It's just like. I don't know, being 36, if I eat a bunch of ice cream, I'm just going to feel terrible. Yeah, I mean, a little here and there, but, you know, I'm a gluttonous man, but when we go for ice cream, I'm not getting larges. I'm usually just, you know, put a scoop in a cup. That's all I really need. Yeah. I like the fruit bars now. Oh, those are great. Those are yeah, great. The, 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 the real fruit ones. Yep. Lots of flavors you can get. I love those ones. Good one. But uh, back, back to this, that we get to the argument between the two, and it's all about the changing of the schools. And he's saying, what was I supposed to do? Ruby was hysterical. I was told to leave. Uh, there was a struggle, uh, drinking fountain was broken and they threw him out and he said he took, oh yeah. So reading back, he said they threw me out and I took Ruby with me. So he, it was his so he does decision. Say it. Okay. All right. But he's like, what was I supposed to do? Walk away from a screaming child? I guess that does make way more sense. Cause I can't imagine them being like, oh, all right. I mean, yeah, it was weird. They had to kick him out of the school, but I can't be like, and fuck your daughter too. Get her out yeah. of school. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The boat you fucking came in on. Fuck off. I also like that he says the water fountain was inadvertently broken. <laughs> I do like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, as we go through this, I feel like there are a few different things we keep being like, I actually got to laugh out of this. I actually got to laugh out of this. I was this. just thinking that. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it takes the analytical part of you when you're, I think sometimes watching these shows, we miss the point a little bit of them because we're paying so much attention to them. You know what I mean? I try to watch it once before I do my notes. I wanted to mention this because I thought about this today too. I think a big part of what we do as far as this podcast and our green lights and cancels go, 
relies heavily on the mood you're in when you're watching the episode. If you're busy and something, you know, because sometimes like I, I literally don't have time to sit down for 25 minutes and just like do nothing but watch this TV show. If I'm busy, I'm I'm going into it with a chip on my shoulder against this show, which I know happens to Ferg more than us, I think. If he's in like a shitty mood and he's watching a TV show, he, it doesn't matter what happens. He's going to hate the show. But I've definitely been close to that before. I've been in, you know, busy or, you know, crappy mood or whatever. And I've given a show shit because of the mood I was in, not the quality of the show. So that's exactly what I felt happened when we did Cavemen. I'm like, Nick's just in a bad mood right now. I greenlit Cavemen. <laughs> No, you didn't. Oh no, I didn't. You're right. Yeah, yeah. I did. <laughs> See, that. Yeah. all right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna update that one. So all right, we'll maybe save. we can. I, that's what I'm saying. We need to go back and do some of these shows because there are shows I want to change. I want to I want to establish a way we can do that. There's also uh, so many shows we still need to cover. So it's just a matter of um, figuring out the right avenue and how we're gonna go and. We should just do like a quarterly thing. You know, once every three months we'll go back. We'll do a quick, you know, like 15, 20 minute episode. Maybe go through. Uh, the ones we've done in the past, see if we've changed our minds on them. Or not even that. Everybody can just go through all of them personally and see if there's any they'd change. Everybody can just go in a circle. We can just go in and talk about it. Yeah. It's like, well, we're coming up on episode 75, you guys. 75 is coming up. Weeks. Yes. So maybe right around then it's a good time. We'll table this conversation and at some point we'll figure out a way to get you guys like some sort of a bonus episode or, you know, something you can listen to Um, that maybe we'll do outside of our normal weekly just as a little thank you for listening and give you some extra content. Yeah, that last conversation we had is just basically our WhatsApp chat without Gordo throwing memes at us. That <laughs> <laughs> was basically what they were listening to. I was going to say, would you like me to just talk about dabbing on you guys and uh, dragging D's nuts? Because I prefer that's... wrapping up this show first. Yeah, yeah. Let's. We can discuss NFT apes later. Let's get through this TV show. Keep my apes out of this. But um, so she's anyways mad at Jim and saying, not only did you lie, but you had our daughter lie to me too. And he's like, well, hold on. I didn't tell her to lie to you. All I said was to not tell you about it, and he, I gave her some money. And she's like, you gave her money? He's like, well, it was only a dollar. You can't buy anything with a dollar anyways. I do like that that's his argument. He bribed her with not that much money. I feel like that's worse somehow. Yeah. I'd say a bribery is worse than just asking, you know? Just in anything, really, I guess. In his brain, he's like, I solved the problem. What's the big deal? You know, and there's an element of truth to that, but such a major decision like where you're doesn't mean it wasn't school. a dick move yeah yeah you still have to consult her. and even if it was in the moment even if in the moment you said all right we're out of here and, and you said it like in the heat of the moment you have to then tell her like even if it was a, a rash decision and like you weren't thinking at the time you have to then consult with her at some point not just when the daughter spills the beans like is this supposed to go on for the entire school year like what, what was the end plan yeah, I don't get that, because at some point, the mother is going to come back. PTA night, something, yeah. Parent-teacher conference, a play. And there is a point where, as this scene kind of concludes, she's going up the stairs, and again, it's just like, it's being shot so different than a typical sitcom. Yeah, the camera's like in the kitchen instead of outside it. Of was it, very, yeah. it was very bizarre to see how a lot of directorial choices, I guess, just the, the layout of the house and how it was shot, it was just very... It was unique, but it, it threw me because I was just not expecting to see even just certain angles. It's funny how typical sitcoms are shot. As we're so used to them that anything that, like, anytime a camera moves, you go, wait, what's happening? <laughs> wait, whoa, whoa. I also can't remember. Was there a stairway in the living room too, or is this? Yes. Yeah, I believe yeah. there was one the in the back. The whole double stairway thing in every sitcom ever made. I don't, I've never seen that in real life. Yeah, I know. I, like, in real life, it doesn't happen. 
And it concludes with like that whole, honey, I figured out what I want because she said she owed him one earlier in the episode and she goes, do it yourself. You know, you expect that callback. Now, I don't like to harp on, I mean, I, I love to harp on the sexual stuff. That's fucking <laughs> bread and butter yeah. in this show. But I always assume in these gags, the joke is blowjob. I really want yeah. our listener yeah. who commented on the Vaseline to weigh in on this because I really enjoyed her take on that. Yeah, we apparently don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> None of us know about sex or whatever. But I assume when you say, like, I want this thing that you don't want to do, it's not just sex, right? Because that's sort of a mutual avenue. It's either something she doesn't want to do or something you don't get very often. So my head always goes towards this is a blowjob joke. Is that where you guys go in these scenarios? Yeah. Yeah, it's a safe assumption, I think. Safe assumption, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's some sort of a sexual act, right? So whether it's the full deed or not, but I guess that makes the most sense because I guess mouth stuff comes off more as a favor than something that's... Right, yeah, because it's a one-way street. It's a one-way street, yeah. And um, well, from that, now he's tucking his daughters in bed and you cut to him in bed with the... Well, not him in bed, but him in the bedroom of his two daughters and he's... Uh, I guess the younger one's already asleep, so he's just tucking Ruby in. And she's asking, like, is mommy mad? And it's like, well, yeah. And she apologizes. Like, no, it's it's not your fault. It's, you know, it's mine. And they really harp on the dollar thing in the scene. Yeah, it's like, much. well, you're probably going to have to give me the dollar back. And cuts to a reaction shot of her laughing because they go it's to all the reaction well, like, shots. Three times in this scene. He says, I, you know, I can't stay around at your school anymore. And she's like, well, why not? And he's like, well, it's kind of like that stone song. You can't always get what you want. And. That felt so out of place, and I know there's a why would you because reference she even a says, Rolling Stones fucking song to a si- like a six year old? Why would you reference Abraham Lincoln at the dinner table? I mean, like it's that was that weird true. in its own right. But this one, I, I'm glad she at least because I was as I'm watching it, I'm writing like, why would you say that? At least there was the payoff right after because she's like, I don't know who the Rolling Stones are, you know. So he does get into it a little bit more, but it was very you could tell like. Jim Belushi, right? Not Jim, the character in the show. Jim Belushi is just throwing in all these things he likes, right? Whether it's not so much in this episode, but like the sports and blues music and all this stuff and rock and roll and all these things that are interested him. Sure. But it's just such a weird forced injection into that. You know, like, I feel like that wasn't the line originally, like it was a different band or maybe he had just had a play in it, but it just doesn't feel like a natural line that they wrote for him for the script. It feels like ad placement. Like, that's how awkward it was. Because it didn't belong, yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, actually, yeah. When he's mentioning the Stones, right, he mentions four songs, right? So you can't always get what you want. That makes sense because he's making the reference, right? I already know where you're going with this, but yeah. And then he mentions Jumpin' Jack Flash, which I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie Jumpin' Jack Flash with him and Whoopi Goldberg. No. It's going to be 87 I didn't get that R.I.P. Yeah, so I assumed that was, <laughs> like, a good reference point to that. But of all the songs, and I'm not even trying to be weird about it, but, like, I knew brown. I knew not to sing Brown Sugar's lyrics out loud when I was like eleven. You know what I mean? Like, no, I had to get. I was older before I was more aware of that song. I, I was enlighten me. I don't know why it's inappropriate. I mean, the whole I mean, the whole thing is. I mean, the first verse of that song talks about like a slave ship coming to the cotton field and the slaver uh, hitting the girl, okay. and then Brown Sugar, why do you taste so good? Is the slave driver of uh, slave slavers? I guess is the right term having okay. sex with the slave, right? And the Rolling Stones don't play it anymore, right? Like, obviously, they pretty much caught up on that. But, like, if I was going to mention four Rolling Stones songs to my kid, and two, one was a joke, one was a reference, and I had two more, I'd probably not pick the one where it was about slave sex. I don't know. It just seemed like a weird pick to me. They have so many great... He could have said, under my thumb, you know? He could have fucking said... Sy- Sympathy for the Devil was the other one he brings up, which is also maybe a little, you know... 
just a weird title to even the, the just, title i guess is weird yeah she's, she's probably not at the point well i don't know probably doesn't know who the devil is yet maybe i guess it depends on how religious you are right do you bring up the devil if you're not religious that's a weird thing not really you don't right yeah no. No, not to glance past it because you know it was quickly mentioned but you just brought up my favorite rolling stone song which is under my thumb it's a great song Although I will say, I love the Rolling Stones even up into the early 80s. I think the Stones, I always think, uh, people always have the Beatles versus Stones argument. I think the Beatles have better songs than the Stones up to a point, but the Stones have way more better songs because they were a great band for a super long time. And I think the Beatles stopped being a good band when they grew their hair long and stopped singing love songs. I don't agree with that. The Stones were more, I would say, consistent in their style. But I think that the Beatles are definitely the best songwriters of all time. I want to chime in because I can't not chime in. But we don't have too much time because we need to wrap this episode up. But here's my take on that. If you look at their catalogs, and obviously the Rolling Stones have a much larger catalog because they were around for 50 years longer than the Beatles were. The Beatles, song for song in a 10-year period, have more hits than the Rolling Stones accomplished in 60 years. I don't think that's true. And also... Their hit to miss ratio, as far as like legit, like bonafide singles versus like filler track, is way higher than the Rolling Stones. The Rolling Stones have way more unknown songs than known songs, where the Beatles, almost every one of their titles is something that is someone's favorite song. Yeah, but when the Beatles went off the deep end and they were like, let's wear funny outfits and grow mustaches and fucking sell submarines. They were still good. They were good songs. They but were they wrote that out till the end, whereas the Rolling Stones did that for one record and they were like, this seems kind of goofy, right? Can we just go back to being a regular rock band who writes songs and then did that for another 30 years? Well, you said, you said wrote it out to the end, but it, like, it was like for like three years. Right, right. Yeah, but I hate those three years. But uh, we have to go past that because there is a little bit more. Unless Nick wants to chime in, right? I, I don't know if Nick has any more Beatles, Rolling Stone stuff he wants to add. I assume no. Don't. Yeah. Would you like yeah, to talk about wrestling good. instead? Yeah. <laughs> I will leave this meeting right now. So... Fuck, there was definitely a wrestling beetle, and I can't remember his name from the 70s in Memphis, and I'm going to have to find the picture for you later. He looks amazing. I look forward to it. Um, but So after he tucks his daughters in bed, he now enters his bedroom, where his wife's sitting there reading, upset about the situation, and he's kind of looking at her, and he's trying to get her attention, and she's trying to, like, ignore him. And it was weird. So first, so he's looking, then he walks over to his dresser, and he's emptying his pockets into the, dr- <laughs> on top of the Wait, dresser. Wait, you skipped my favorite line. Well, go ahead. I'm sorry. He, he goes, uh, I didn't know if you wanted me to do the dishes. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, So yeah, I yeah. didn't. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I that got a genuine line. belly laugh out of that, that was, line. That, that was a good line. Too. I'm sorry. Yeah, I did miss that. Also, he doesn't just put his stuff on the counter. They have like a change, like an electric change organizer. Counter, yeah. It's all this change in and it like hums and vibrates and makes so much fucking noise. Well, so at, at that time, did you guys have one? Because like that was like such a fad for a while. Like people were... Yeah, I never had one. I never it had one. It was such like, that was, it was like mind-boggling technology at the time. Like, I spent all my change. Yeah, I think as an adult, it makes more sense because you have change at the end of the day and then you have more money. But as a kid, you're like, I have change. I want a Slim Jim. There goes my change. Now we're out of money. <laughs> yeah. Some Paisan's bread. Oh man, that bread was so fucking good. When you're a kid, you go to like, you know, the candy shop and they had like Tootsie Rolls for a penny and things for five cents and- Gummy cherries. I don't know how much this is aging us, but if you had seven cents, there was a way to spend all seven cents. Yeah, and you, you could would. get seven <laughs> cents worth of candy. Yeah. Yeah, that, that ages us. But I do agree we should outlaw the penny. 100%, yep. The pennies, it's useless at this point, and it's just costing money. It's silly to have them. That's a conversation for the chat. 
That's a much longer. Well, it's a much longer conversation that, that we can't engage in. Oh, I yeah, kind of want to. We're talking about the for seven it. cents for the penny candy. Yeah, we'll bring it up next week. We'll talk about pennies. Sure. Yeah. So as the change is going through that sort of though, he's like giving her the most goofy. Like he's so excited by the change thing working that he looks legitimately excited as he looks at her. Like he's. I I can't describe the face he's making, but it's um like a jovial child. Oh, slapping his tummy. Well, that's next. Because from there, he's like, well, that didn't work. The making a lot of noise thing didn't cheer her up. So, uh, and the not doing the dishes didn't cheer her up. Now I'm going to take my shirt off and slap my belly. And this bothered me because he goes, well, I guess it's time for a drum solo. And then he goes, wipe out. And he doesn't do the wipe out <laughs> drum beat. Play it, right. It's the most simple fucking drum line you could ever play. Yeah, If you don't even have rhythm, you can do wipe out. I think that's a like a licensing thing like you probably couldn't actually play wipeout oh, you could on your stomach i think you can belly slap it a couple a no couple you'd bars. be surprised a lot of these songs like you know when i listen to um like the office ladies podcast and they'll talk about song mentions sometimes just mentioning a song or i like michael scott when he bought the tickets to sandals and goes like he's saying though just the one line from two tickets to paradise that cost him ten thousand dollars yeah that's true maybe it wasn't allowed yeah that is the best money that any money ever made oh, yeah yeah it worked though, because now whenever I hear that song, I sing "Leaving After Tomorrow." <laughs> I can't not. I can't sing the original words anymore. Yep. But I just don't. In this moment, just don't say "Wipeout." Just hum some fake song. You know, just you do literally rhythm. anything else. Yeah. Again, another weird rock and roll reference, like a weird old rock reference. Yeah, it was. It was a lot of that. There was. Well, look. I mean, there was that. The Stones. Louis. No, Louis. I'm like, saying I like it. Like I imagine if we ever have kids, right? Like if your brain you're gonna spill out the dumb shit that's in your head at your kids just like your parents yeah. did to you so oh, yeah. i think that's believable that he's doing that and i think it's actually a good move to be like no these are the things i would talk about because that's what i think about and who i am right so I, I do like it and we gotta say like they probably don't want to blow their budget on wipeout because they had to pay the spice girls right after oh jesus yeah because that <laughs> he's because like, that was his uh the encore after wipeout was the all right, we're going to slow it down with a little Spice Girls. And he goes, stop right there. Thank you very much. <laughs> He's doing he says seductive dancing, right? Then he jumps into bed. And the way he jumped into bed was like, so it reminded me of like an always sunny, like Mac as like Nightman, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like that cat like uh, yeah. type. He was <laughs> like how you'd imagine Spider-Man would jump into bed. Yeah. He like snuck into his own bed. Like he was a, like a thief. This whole scene reminded me of the scene in Wayne's World in the first movie where Cassandra is on the phone and Wayne is just, he like puts his underwear as a thong and he like takes his shirt off. And what, like when I was a kid, I thought that was the funniest thing to ever happen in film. <laughs> but does it, do you not see that in this scene? I feel like he's sort of aping that exact, it's the same energy. It's in that vein, yeah. That scene is very funny though. And yeah, and now that he's in bed, he's trying to be a little flirty and talk to her a little and he breaks down and he apologizes for what he did and he's just explaining how it got to be what it was and how what led him to pulling her out of the school and you know he's just it's just kind of like you know i didn't want her to feel alone and scared and you know you know we can't always be there and he's he's going through this whole thing and mentions the the whole situation in which he got dragged out of the school and then the wife who is warming up as as he's explaining this you know chimes in with the you know, the trick is to hold the locker, the lock on the locker as they're pulling you away, um, which means she was probably in the same situation at that school before he was. And then this turns into the kind of the typical sitcom, like, all right, now it's 
well, he tells her how beautiful she is and stuff, and it's like the time to time to fornicate. Yeah, right. it's like you're beautiful, but then she's like you're lucky. The reach over to the lamp and turn the light off, and then he's on top of her, and you can't see them anymore. Nobody fucks with the light on on TV. <laughs> That's so <laughs> weird. Sometimes people have sex with the lights on. So many people have sex during the day. Like, do those people go get like blackout curtains and like try to make the room darker? Like, is it a weird, like, archaic thing? Like, do you not? I, I don't know. It's weird. No, I think it just goes to not over sexualizing the scene. And I guess it's easier in the dark. But know? it happens in like a lot of like, not just like regular, like goofy TV, but yeah, it's. Yeah, no, it's definitely, you see it a lot. And yeah, I, I mean, not to get too into it, I guess, but. Isn't part of being in that situation getting to see the person you're with sans their clothing? Yeah. Like, isn't that part I mean, of the fun yeah. of it? Especially a husband and wife. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you get changed in front of each other. You know what I mean? Right. So it seems weird to, like, turn the lights off when you're noshing bits. I don't know. I don't get it. Gordo, do you hide when you get changed? <laughs> I do. I'm a never nude. Yeah, he's behind that little, <laughs> that thing behind him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You see this behind me? <laughs> yeah. This goes right to the bedroom. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you Stop just that's you can do a seductive dance for her, Gordo. She can just see the silhouette. I'm oh, I haven't going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, so um, as I the lights go out here in, because we'd be flooded. Wait, I think I lost something here. <laughs> I so as they're finally gonna engage in this uh, fornicating again, the lights are out and the button on the whole scene to end the episode is the whole. Why would I ask you to close the car door on me? Why would? I shut the car door on you if you didn't ask. And it's just that back and forth. It's dark and the credits are playing. And, and that's and that's what kind of goes on. And that's how the episode fades out, which is, I guess, good. I like a good callback to close things out sometimes. So, it, you know, for, for those purposes, it works. I like a non-traditional just cut, like most sitcoms, especially of like maybe around that time too, where it's like the freeze frame and then cut to credits, right? I like that it's a different way of ending the show, at least. It's interesting. It's yeah. And it makes you feel like a... Like, if you're watching this streaming, and it was going to go right into the next episode, that seems so much more organic to then be like, and now on to the next story of this family, you know? Yeah. This kind of feels like it's good for, like, that, like, studio audience applause to round out the episode. Like, the the end of a show, like a live show type of... Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's it. That's everything I have for this particular episode. And I don't know if there's anything else you guys wanted to bring up before we go on to the Green Lighter cancels, but um, this is your time. Yeah, I don't have anything else to bring up. Um, I think we did two hours, on, according yeah. to Jim, and I think that that's probably plenty. Yeah, I mean, the only other kind of footnotes I do want to mention, um, Dana, the sister in this episode, um, now married to country singer Brad Paisley. Oh, so um, a little footnote there. I wouldn't call him a country singer. Okay, so the, the, and the only other thing, uh, Joe, we talked about the creators of the show earlier. Uh, I forgot to bring it up in the moment. I'm a little surprised. They were consulting producers on Thanks, which is uh, a really? show oh, wow. that wow. nobody knows about. But yeah, they were consulting producers on that show, which if you guys don't know Thanks, um, go back. We covered it for Thanksgiving last year because it was the only possible show that we thought we could do for Thanksgiving. <laughs> With Cloris Leachman, it was a interesting show about pilgrims. Check it out. Um, it's in the archives. Go back and give that a listen. So I did want to bring that up because it was, I don't know when else Thanks is ever going to come up. I have one less button on it too. We talked about Courtney Thorne Smith a bunch just because of other stuff she was in, but two other things to bring up that she's in because one relates to the show. First of all, she's in Revenge of the Nerds 2, Nerds in Paradise as like the girl who goes to the island with them. And that is a great sequel. The Hotel Coral Essex joke is something I think about all the time. Uh, but she's also 
the Jennifer Jason Lee role in the Fast Times at Ridgemont High sitcom that was a failed sitcom that only lasted oh. for like four or five episodes. And that's one of the shows I have in my like block of shows I want to do of movies that became sitcoms that nobody fucking watched, right? Right up there with the Animal House sitcom yeah. and a bunch of others. So we'll be seeing her again, I'm guessing, when we watch um, Fast Times. But I doubt we'll be watching any episodes of Melrose Place, unfortunately. Uh, not for this show, unfortunately. Uh, no way to go for <laughs> to the Green Lantern cancel. Only four of us because, um, for those of you who are paying attention, Ferg has never joined in on this episode. <laughs> and to peel it back because timing will be different once it's edited, we first meet for our Zoom call at 7 o'clock. It is now 9.30 and we have not heard from him. This will only be funny if he's not dead. If he is, it will make for a very awkward <laughs> But yeah, let's get into the green. green but I will say, cancel. Gordo, at least you don't have to edit the overtalking this week. Yeah, true. One less track. So that being said, uh, guys, I'm going to start with Joe this time. Green letter cancel, according to Jim. All right. So I actually wrestled with this one a little bit. This seems like a very much I would just greenlight it for everything I said about it being like just in its lane sitcom. But I also felt like it was just a little too predictable sometimes. But this is a case of we did the episode, and my opinion definitely changed during it. When Nick and I had mentioned a little while ago where I was like, you know, as we talk about it, there were a lot of jokes, a lot of things that actually landed. And does the pilot make you want to watch another episode? And the answer, honestly, is yes. I think this will be like a good mindless in the background show that you get a few laughs out of. I don't think it'll be as funny as something like King of Queens, probably, but I feel like it's in that same sort of wheelhouse. And that's a show that I watched all of you know, over pandemic and really enjoyed. So, um, again, I am a Jim Belushi fan and I'm giving this the green light and someone who's as big struggles canceling anything, <laughs> but, um, but I almost canceled this one for being too middle of the road, but then we all laughed about it almost, but didn't, but, uh, all right, well, I'm sorry. You know, I, <laughs> you give me shit. I gave your goddamn stupid caveman a green light back off. Great show. Uh, Nick on you. So yeah, I agree with Joe. I did come around on this show discussing it more than after I watched it. I'm going to cancel it, though, for one really simple reason. Uh, well, before I explain that, I think Jim is really endearing. I do like his character among all the other characters. The other characters definitely need work, but I, I don't hate Jim. I think he is a good character. I think he can be funny. He's a slave to the writing like any character would be, honestly. I think I could see him getting better. My main problem with this show is the complete lack of desire to see the next episode. I could, I could, you know, give this pilot a green light, at, but if I'm really going off how badly I want to see the next episode, I have to cancel it because I know this show does get a little better. I've seen a few episodes here and there, like I said, when I'm at my mother's house, and I do, I get laughs out of it. So I know it doesn't stay like this, but this pilot alone, I don't care about what happens next wasn't entertained enough it was too simple it needs more work and i just i just i just was left wanting you know a little more out of this episode so i have to cancel for that reason gordo so i am going to cancel this show uh mostly for reasons that everybody has said why i canceled it was that i like nick just had no desire to watch a second show but also, I'm looking at it from the perspective when I watch these shows as a green light or cancel. I'm sitting in a boardroom in California as an executive. Someone brings this to me and says, hey, boss, green light this or cancel it. What's your call? 
And I make my decisions kind of based on that. Like, is it boring? Is it good? Do I like it? And there is no like real criteria, but it's just very generic. It was just a very generic show. It had some highlights like the vagina. Like that was kind of funny. But like, ultimately, I don't want to watch second show. I got everything I wanted out of this. So cancel. Yeah, for me, um, I got to go with you guys. I'm, I'm canceling it also. And I don't know. It's I don't. I think I went in with a negative outlook at first, and we did talk about it, and there's a couple jokes that land, but I think throughout the 22 minutes, I don't think there was enough jokes that landed to really push me to want to keep watching. I thought there were issues with the characters. I think a lot of them failed to know who they are, and it is early, to, to be fair, but between all of that and just non-relatable storyline and just a lot of the things that happened within it, it just, it was shot weird, and that comes into play too there's a lot of the shooting choices like i said you could have cut out five minutes of the show just taking out reaction shots of people just smiling and grinning when other people said stuff so ultimately it just didn't do it for me i don't hate it as much as i felt i would going into it but there wasn't enough meat on the bone for me to want to keep watching i think jim belushi in at least from my perspective of this one episode would be best suited as the second lead on a show not the lead um i didn't think he was the guy you could really focus this whole thing around and that being said i mean it went 182 episodes right but in the world of our show it's not getting the green light so it's not even going to episode two uh at some point if ferg ever shows up in life again we will include his vote on the instagram which you can find at s1e1pod but regardless of a green light or cancel we already have three cancels this was a very soft cancel. I would like to point that out. This is one of the softer cancels we've had. I don't. I feel like we all felt bad about canceling it, um, but when we did. Well, that being said, guys, sorry to according to Jim, we are canceling you, um, and that's it. That's all the time we have for this week. Please check us out, s1e1pod.com. That's where you can go to find all the links to everywhere you can find our show, all our social medias. Please give them a follow. Rate, review, subscribe, do all that fun stuff. I keep stressing this. Please, guys, at least on Apple, if that's how you listen to us, go ahead and leave a review. We haven't gotten a review in a little while, so we would appreciate that. But to round it out again, thank you guys for listening. Catch you again next week. Thank you. Goodbye. I think we got the best way too large bag of corn chips. I thought you were going with, we got the best vagina. Vagina.